Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It's Wednesday, February 9th, 2022, and you're listening to episode number 533. I am your host, Steve Say. I am back. There's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you could turn this off, but why would you do it? It's so early. Bob Ryer is here. Yeah, uh, Aaron, by the way, I do hope you were kind to Prince Mama Waldi over on Progressively Horrified. I'm very protective of that movie. <laughs> yeah, we had words. <laughs> there were uh, a lot of Skillet fans going on Love over there. Skillet. <laughs> Why was he there? But anyway, anyway, that's another, <laughs> that's another podcast. Uh, Aaron is obviously here, and also Joey Bracino is here. I am also here, yes. Let's move on. <laughs> well, we're off to a good start. No, this is perfect. This is what people expect. This is theater. See, I, gotta, I go away for a week. I got to come back and give the people what they want. They want confusion. Yeah. They want uh, confusion. Classic. 1970, The Temptations. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of classic Steve, let me tell y'all, give you a little free promo here. Maybe they'll send me some uh, some coupons. To the Chung Chun Rice Hot Dog Hut. <laughs> okay, I got Rice Hot Dog? Yes. Imagine the, like, tastiest, wildest, almost like corn dog that you've ever had. It is, I had the half mozzarella, half hot dog. So it was hot dog at the bottom, all mozzarella around so basically, your first couple of bites is like the biggest mozzarella stick you've ever eaten with the cheese just mm. like all gooey and stretchy and that all is right with the world. And then you get down to the hot dog bit and you eat it off the stick. And it was delicious. It was so delicious that I went there two days in a row uh, because I got yelled at for not for going without broad. Well, yeah, I, was that like, I can't believe. Happen. Yeah, I can't believe you. uh you, you went there without me. I was like, oh, I was done with my tattoo appointment. What the hell? I needed something to eat. Um, and then the second day I had the the cheddar dog, which was exactly what it sounds. But let me tell you, they take the rice and they kind of like pack it around the dog and around whatever fillings. A sushi dog. Going on. A sushi yeah, dog. Yeah, like they, they make it all by hand. My friend Brad had a, one with squid ink in it yesterday. Oh, yeah. that's That would be killer. They actually left like a portion of the hot dog exposed at the bottom and then cut it into four pieces and kind of like curled it up so that it actually looked like a squid when they handed it to you. It was very adorable. Big fan of squid, um, so I'm I'm in. You gotta, you yeah, gotta mail think, me one of those. 
Yeah, I'm sure it'll keep. Dry ice, dry ice, man. Uh, this place is amazing, though. If you're in, uh, I believe there's some in Toronto, but if you're in London, uh, look me up. But if you don't look me up, look up the Chung Chun Dog Rice Hot Dog Hut. It is unreal. And they've got like 12 different kinds of dogs, all Dude. kinds of different sausage and powders. And it's great. It's how you do that. Steve, I don't know if you ever went on St. Mark's Place. There's a place called Criff Dogs. Yes. Okay, where it was same idea. However you wanted your hot dog, they were going to do it. Cheeses, or you could do the California with avocado and sour cream and so on and so forth. And every one I had was great. Their French fries were amazing as well. Their specialty, though, was a bacon-wrapped hot dog with cheddar cheese and barbecue oh, sauce. Go. And it's like, yeah, okay, this is going to give me a heart attack, but I don't care. Yeah, but what a way to go. What a way to go. <laughs> they had a little, they have a little asterisk to them, too. In their place, there was a phone booth at the back of the, uh, the joint. That mm-hmm. was the entrance to a speakeasy next door. Nice. If you knew the password, you could go next door to the speakeasy. The hot dog speakeasy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so come on, right? Only in Greenwich Village. No, wait. That place. That place is still there. Cryptogs is still there. Cool. Yes, that place is. I don't know if it's the same. It might not be the same location, but it's still there because I know that in Manhattan now there is still a hot dog place with a speakeasy in the back. That's, and I can't imagine. I can't yeah, imagine there's a second yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, I would do – I've been thinking, I've been having dreams lately about the uh, New York bagel scene. Uh, I would uh, I would do some unseemly things for a New York-style bagel oh, right now. Wow. A boiled bagel with the real crunch and – yeah. Just took a turn. Uh, At least he said four bagels. Like I just want to – I, I want to go to the deli or the, the bagel place. I want to get some fresh bagels. And then just take that brown paper bag and shove my face into it and huff it. You want to motorboat the bagel? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> every, I really do. What, what's your bagel choice? An everything bagel? Of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everything every, I, Everything with cream cheese is uh, is quite the treat. If you, I don't know if my body can handle it Yeah, I was just going to say, you you really think your body can handle a big old uh, schmear of well, cream cheese? <laughs> like if they give, if they give you the a – no, they, Look, they give you a quarter pound of cream cheese. Yes, on there your, are there yeah. are people that use like one of those uh, like leveling knives that they use oh, yeah. for bricklayers, oh, yeah. and they just <laughs> put like a story of cream cheese on the bagel. No, what I what they do now, and this is what I get. I if, if I'm in a good mood, I'll do an everything bagel with the they do a tofu based uh, spread, Ooh. which is pretty good, right. very good, much lighter, not as not as not as dairy laced um and of course on you know after let's say an evening of um libation a good t- libation i'll do the <laughs> i'll talks. do the everything bagel with uh, bacon egg and cheese oh, um, yeah. oh yeah a lot my friend we were hanging out on friday and and the next morning she was like yeah look give me a bagel uh pork roll egg and cheese she said taylor ham egg and cheese 
uh, ketchup and mayo. And I was like, what the hell? So I I went to the bagel place and I was like, do you guys even have mayo? And they were like, yeah, we do. So look, if they're they're really putting ham on it, they're not kosher. So mayo, it it all works. Oh no, I I get it. I understand. Everyone's, everyone's got their, you know, preferences. It was just, it was shocking to me to hear mayo on a breakfast burger like that. That's a bit much. much. Well, uh, with, with the ketchup added to it, that's a whole, now you're into thousand island French dressing. Exactly. Exactly. I found Look, a place by ketchup, me. Mayo, ketchup, mayo, pepper. You got a little Thousand Island. Boom. Yeah, done. absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, you need the relish. You need some relish. Yeah. Uh, I found a place near me, uh, my work. So I have to go into work early on Friday. So I'm in the place by myself. I'll put on the YouTube channel. I'll throw some music on. Big coffee and an everything bagel with lock spread. Yeah. And they make lock spread with giant hunks of Nova Scotia locks. Oh, and it's five bucks, but you know it is worth every penny. Hey, five bucks is a deal for lock spread right now. Uh, I think so. Yeah, in Manhattan, that lock spread is going to go for like ten bucks. Really? Oh yeah. I mean, I'll have to buy two of them next Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, how about you? How do you take your bagel? I don't. Oh, what? <laughs> what? Anti <laughs> bagel? I'm not a big bagel person. Wow. Uh, are like, you a buttered roll in the morning? No, Aaron? he's like Lego oh. my ego, baby. <laughs> it treat me right. I I'm sorry. <laughs> what? But um, I just I am a waffle guy. I'm a waffle. I knew it. I knew it. Occasional pancake, but uh, generally for breakfast, um, I I don't crave a bagel. I do have like um, it's like these low carb bagels that come out. I might keep some of those. What's the food. point, Aaron? Yeah, come I on, the low carb bagel. Are you a Belgian waffle guy, or do you you mind an ego? No, I'm not a belt. I don't. I don't want that much breakfast. Not, that's too much. <laughs> yeah. That's too much work. I can't can't do all of that. You know, but you know, it depends. Sometimes I'm an egg white omelet guy. Um, with yeah. some veggies and some turkey sausage. Very okay. good. It's very good. I uh, oh, I man. also very rarely eat breakfast. It's only after I've you know. Ah, oh, it's the best meal of the day, man. Oh uh, well, yeah, so that's why I have extra yeah. coffee. If you're like, yeah, you, if you're in like fourth grade, it's the most important. That's right. <laughs> Cheerios, that's right? Wheaties, the breakfast me, of champions. Me and Mrs. and Franco <laughs> eating Belgian waffles. Filling the little waffle grids with uh, pools of syrup. That's, that's how you do it. And melted butter. Right. The- what are we doing? What is happening? <laughs> I'm going to say this. I got spoiled. I spent 20 years in the record store I worked in and then another 13 at the video store next to two outlets of what was called Bagel Patch. Absolute kosher bagels. The guy'd get there at 3 in the morning and make them and boil them and the whole thing and – no dairy. You couldn't get an egg sandwich with cheese, but you got a bagel that was to die for. Mm. It's like, all right, you know, <laughs> this is worth it. This is worth getting up extra early to go to work early so I can have a bagel. Mm. Nice. Uh, Joey, to answer your question, we're having fun. <laughs> I was going to say, like, this is our whole runtime right here. Bagel yeah. talk. No, bagel talk. <laughs> Talking bagels. Talking bagels. It's a whole new feed. This show is still going to be like 87% comics. I think we're okay. All right. Okay. All right. Heaven forbid we so, talk about, about the almighty bagel for a few well, minutes. And of course, many people will be eating their morning bagel as they're listening to the Tomorrow show. Tomorrow morning. That's right. Yes. There's nothing quite like waking up with talking comics in your cup. God you know? damn it. All right. <laughs> yeah. Nicely done. <laughs> a back supper. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, and hey, look, we got like three great episode titles out of that. So there you go. All right. uh, although I do think I know which one we're already going to go with. All right. Updates, 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 updates. Who wants to be updated about what the hell is going on with TalkingComicBooks.com? Uh, we'll tell you, folks. It's been a ride. We got the website back for a short period of time, and then it blew up all over again, as these things tend to do. And uh, we have called in the big guns. <gasps> I will not name names yet, because I want to see how this all pans out. Bill Gates? Certainly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Bill, Bill Gates owed me a favor. I called him up. I said, hey, Bill. Hey, Billy. You, uh, hey, Billy Gates. <laughs> Why don't you dust off the old noodle there and come over here and fix this thing? And he hasn't been able – he's he's rusty. He hasn't been able to fix it yet. Um, but anyway, we're going to we're gonna set the clock back or we're going to push it forward. Your choice. We are going to rebuild and rebrand and relaunch yeah. Talking Comics. Now, of course, folks, it is all going to be dial-up from here on in. Yeah. So prepare. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yep modems yes the whole nine uh the entire the entire site is just going to be black and green text if you don't it's have gonna be amazing if you don't have a landline you won't be able to connect yes yeah you thought the matrix was cool you haven't seen anything yet <laughs> you thought the matrix was cool good because that's what you're getting <laughs> yeah. trina robbins will be in charge from her actual phone <laughs> no, no, Trina Robbins. Let's be serious. It's Trina Robbins' cats are going to be like <laughs> yes. the site. Um, so we're working on it. We're doing it. It continues to chug along. Look, none of us are web designers. You know, we have to call in favors, or sometimes some very cool people offer to step in and get the job done. So we will see what happens. And I also want to give Bobby credit for. Uh, dealing with a lot of garbage on his end, trying to sort this stuff out. He's been uh, tremendous yeah. so far. We've been emailing but, um, Patrick. It's a bit amazing. Jesus Christ. Yes. <laughs> well, come on, we'll go, Daddy, um, you know. And what- I'm kind of glad that I didn't uh, I didn't hear that part. Danica Patrick, she was in charge of GoDaddy. Remember those? She wasn't in charge. She was Super Bowl commercial. commercials. She Face of the franchise. Yes. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Super Bowl, no, I'm kidding. Um, comic books. Comic books. Actually, no. No, no, no comic what? books yet. Um, no, we have two more things to uh, to promote really quick. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to Thirsty on Tune, our other podcast with Bronwyn and Chris. Uh, they have two new episodes up on the feed. If you haven't downloaded those yet. Oh, I feel like a uh, they have an, Yeah, they have an episode out for Ghost Lights which is on Webtoon. You can read it for free. It's pretty amazing. Um, Absolutely gorgeous artwork. Oh, my God. Uh, And they have another episode, the first part, uh, first of two. They have a best of podcast going uh, that's already up. It is a slumber party style award show. Why didn't we ever do that? I don't know. It's pretty genius. They do Truth or Dare. They do Spin the Bottle. They came up with all of these games and creative ways to – you know, talk about and nominate and try to choose winners. And when they could, when they can't choose a winner, they have a bag of dice and they roll the dice and who, whatever it turns out to be, it turns out to be. But you're telling me that after 10 years, we were like, nah, you know, maybe it's time to do, change it up a little bit. And Thursday was like, first time they were like, fuck it. We're going to do the coolest shit. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) 
I am not the smart one in this house. Okay? <laughs> I married rich in brains. <laughs> All right. Uh, we do have uh, one more announcement, not announcement, but really just a plug. Uh, Aaron, you were recently featured on Progressively Horrified. Yes, the whole episode was about me. <laughs> yes, that's right. As it the should scariest be. thing ever. Yeah. Aaron Amos is <laughs> his own horror movie. Don't look behind the curtain. Uh, yeah, it was fun. It was a good time. We did Blackula. That was the first of two that I did. The second one should be coming out soon. Uh, Three weeks. Uh, well, yeah, okay. Well, there you have it. You have the exact date. No, yeah, it was a great time. I always have fun with them, so definitely check it out. It was a good time. I'm a big fan of that movie, Aaron. I hope you were nice to it. <sighs> okay. Lightning round. All you, all, you, all you young folks who weren't there no. when I was 16 when Blackula came out, and it was a real thing. No, it was, it a, was fun. It was an important movie. It was fun. It was, it was a good time. It was fun. I, I, it was fun. We had a okay. great time. Okay. All right. So you hated it. No, no, yeah. no, 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 I didn't hate it at all. No, yeah. it was just, we, we, we made some modern day observations that I thought were, were pretty funny. I, 50 as, years as, old, as, is that fair? Oh, go ahead, Steve. <laughs> I, I, I think it was a very fair review of the movie. It was also very funny when you have that many people that are as funny as they are all in one, like, digital room, so to speak, you are going to get a lot of hilarious observations about any of these movies. And Blackula does not escape the the wit and charm of this cast. I laughed my ass off listening to this. All right. right. I'll give this a shot, but I'm good. I have I'll write a letter to the Times. That's all I'm saying. Aaron Aaron gets to open his mouth and he immediately goes for the fashion. He immediately starts talking about capes. Hey, Aaron, so Aaron do, do you, does, does someone in the show mention the band that's in the movie? Listen, you, yeah. But do, yes, you, do you know who they are? I do. Oh, crap. You're going to get they're, me now because I can't remember the name. They're the Hughes Corporation who did Rock the Thank Boat. You. It was a number one hit. Thank you. I was like, I yeah. was seeing them in my head. We actually talked about it, I think, on air and off air. But cool. no, my only question was I don't know if I said it, but did they make polyester in the 1800s? Because I feel like. They did it. They did it at American International. Yes, <laughs> that carried well. Anyway, that suit carried well. That's all. I'm saying. Their name. Their name comes up a lot during that discussion. Yes, yes. But I mean, it, I think you'll love it. I think you like the episode. Okay, because because to me, that's um, on my mess. I have lots of lists of things. That's that's a, like, number one forty four of my cine fantastique list, and it's ahead of such things <laughs> as The Evil Dead, The Bride of Frankenstein, Nosferatu, Rosemary's Baby. Blackula is way up my list, so I'm okay. You'll I'll give it a shot, but but you and Jeremy may get letters. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think we took a fair viewpoint. <laughs> okay, you young folks, go ahead, Steve. I'm sorry to have derailed everything, but no, no, Prince no, no, Mumbawaldi is one of the great characters of all time, and William Marshall, who played Blackula, could have been Darth Vader. Both sides of it. He's got that voice that James Earl Jones does. He was a Shakespearean actor. He's also six foot four and a half. Yeah, he looked damn. You could have just put him in that suit, and he could have been Darth Vader all by his lonesome. See, now I might write letters. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Write it to Lucas, please. 
What? All right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's time, Bob. It's time. You can you can listen to the podcast and then argue with Aaron later. I will. All right. Joey. Mm. Hi. <laughs> Joey's like, you're first, my friend. Get the hell up. Mm. All right. <clears throat> Do I start? Is it time? <laughs> all right let's see let's start i'm gonna start with uh the book that i really didn't enjoy peacemaker uh mm. disturbing the peace this is actually a few weeks old at this point garth ennis and gary brown this is the origin of the guardian of peace christopher smith obviously peacemaker is making the rounds right now being played by, I don't know if you can see him, John Cena, um, directed by James Gunn on HBO. Such a fun show. I think the finale drops this week. Um, I've really thoroughly enjoyed it, which is why I picked up this book. And then unsurprisingly, thoroughly did not enjoy it. Uh, This was pitched as like kind of, you know, like I said, the origin story. Learn about the Guardian of Peace. Learn about his origin story. You know, who's Christopher Smith? Um, and then you see Garth Ennis on it and you're like, Oh, is this just going to be like the the Punisher? Um, and then it kind of pretty much is, um, you know, I think people are coming from, so like, so, so like the book starts and it's like, like peacemaker sitting overlooking a, a, a cemetery. And then this like psychiatrist comes up and he's like, did you approve me for the new task force? And she's like, well, you murdered a whole shit ton of people. So no. And then it's just like flashbacks <laughs> to like all these people he's killed. But it's not like like the show, I think, is asking big moral questions, but has that kind of bizarre sense of humor that you expect from a, a, a James Gunn joint that John Cena carries so well, that kind of boisterous baby man of a kind of sense of humor this one is so cynical morally ambiguous like existential dread you know like it's what you expect from a garth ennis book and anyone like coming from the show to be like yeah let me check out peacemaker get the origin story you're gonna get the exact opposite of what you expect it's not even like like the like the killing is so brutal and like grotesque even which like i like ennis has never strayed away from that and that's always kind of been part of his shtick like he's he's exploring the despair and the consequences of that violence i don't know if this was the book to to pitch after the show that people are going to come and check out this book for but anyway it, I did not enjoy it much at all again i think some i think some people will i think perhaps more kind of um obviously Fans of like Punisher esque stories, I think, will be very much into this, and probably Garth Ennis's name draws a lot of folks. Um, but anyone coming to this from the television show, I don't think you're going to uh, have a good time. Um, I also read Excellent X Excellent Number One. This was Peter Milligan and the All Reds reuniting again for some more Ecstatics Universe nonsense. Um, what? Yep, it it was exactly what you expect. I'm not even going to say anything. Like that's enough. Like Peter Milligan. And the All Reds doing ecstatics adjacent stuff. You get a lot of your ecstatics characters returning as they face off against Excellent, um, the oh. another team of kind of media driven, like reality show obsessed, celebrity obsessed mutants. It has nothing to do with Krakoa and what is do- going on in the other X part of the universe. Um, they're just doing ecstatic stuff again. So excellent number one, ton of fun. I was surprised to see this wasn't a one shot as it was, I think, a year and a half ago when they did another kind of ecstatics kind of book. Um, this one I think is gonna be a five issue mini. So 
If you miss it, it's back oh, and check it that's out. Sweet. Yeah. And then I got two books from Gene Luen Yang this week to talk about. Uh, like two, two, one brand new book and then one that I just want to catch up with Shang Chi a little bit. Um, I'll talk about Shang Chi first. So I, re- I read, I caught up with Shang Chi number seven and eight, and these were kind of the flashback origin story kind of um, issues for Shang Chi's mother and grandfather and father and that relationship. Um, And also there's kind of a coming to a head of all of those like baddies who Shang-Chi and the, the deadly weapon society have kind of been undermining over the course of the last, the first six issues of the series. I, first of all, as we've talked about on the show, this, the series is great and it's so cool that we have this ongoing, uh, Jin Luan Yang is having the time of his life doing this kind of world building around this, this um, new kind of house of, deadly weapons thing uh uh, dk ruan's art is also stunning this issue in particular was really wonderful issue number eight it's a bummer because he's leaving the series marcus toe from excalibur is coming on which i don't mind because he's also fantastic Uh, but we'll definitely miss some of that that energy that 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 uh, ruan brought for the first couple of issues here's my problem it's not a problem i just want to kind of we talk about it a lot and it's not fun, but the origin story that we're given is it's Talo, the mystical, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the mystical, you know, alternate dimension with the flying dragons and blah, blah, yep. blah. And that's where his mother's from. And, and, you know, the Zhengzhou uh, took her from then and then all the, and it's like, Oh, the movie. Like that, that's yeah. what we're just doing the movie, right? Yeah. Which I get, you know, again, people coming from the show, they want to see the, the, the thing they recognize. Talo was in one issue of Thor in like 1978 or like 1981. <laughs> and now it's at the centerpiece of Shang-Chi, which it never was. The other thing that doesn't bother me, I understand why Shang-Chi's mother canonically in the OG Deadly Hands of Kung Fu series master of Kung Fu series was a white American woman. And at the time, Fu Manchu, now Zheng Zhu, um, you know, they make Shang-Chi and Shang-Chi is a half Chinese, half American, uh, half white American individual, which for me as a reader being a half Chinese, half, half Italian reader, I was like, Oh, that's really cool. You never see that. Right. I, I that is part of the the story, and that's always been part of his story, emphasized in different ways across different runs. Here, it's like no, his mother's from Talo, she's Chinese. Boom, check, check, check. Right? I understand the revision, I get it. Um, but again, it's just like they just they bring the series very much in line with the film, not necessarily to its detriment, but I was surprised at how blatant it was. Um, uh, it's a cool two issue little run. The the grandfather is a, a really imposing villain, I think, and um, I, I think the ish, the series has been really cool uh, from the start, and I'm really enjoy enjoy reading it. Um, the other Gene Luen Yang book I read this week was Monkey Prince number one. Uh, this is Gene Luen Yang with Bernard Cheng. Um, if you had read Monkey Prince number zero a few months ago, uh, you could also read Monkey Prince number one. Also, Monkey Prince number one and Peacemaker, by the way, both free on DC Universe Infinite. So Ooh. thank God I didn't like buy it and then like log in <laughs> and be like, what the hell? There's no there's no marketing for that. It's ne- never but anyway, um, Monkey Prince number one was so much fun. And it's so fun reading this issue in particular 
after a having read Jin Wen Yang's DC work, obviously, but also American born Chinese in which Sun Wukong, the monkey King is like a key character there. And some of the kind of gags and bits that Jin Wen Yang kind of reinterprets and reimagines with the monkey King in that book, Sun Wukong in that book, uh, Sun Wukong, who mind you is like, the stuff of like not ancient, but like Chinese mythological legend. Like he's in novels. He's an, he's a hero. It's like, it's, it's a whole thing. People know it. People know his adventures. People know his, his supporting characters. So as you're reading monkey Prince, which is about the, the, this kid who all of a sudden finds powers because spoiler alert, he's the son of the monkey King, hence the monkey Prince. And he has superpowers. Um, some of the gags and beats that happened to him in this issue, and I'm assuming across the series, uh, come directly out of that 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 idea. And you see characters, and you're like, "Oh, I know him. He's he's going to be this part of the the myth, right?" The best part about the Monkey Prince is that he is his Earth parents are bad guys. They're like henchmen for like the penguin Ooh. and some shit. It's so funny, which obviously puts him at odds in this first year with a certain in this first issue with a certain Dark Knight, which is <gasps> so funny. It's so funny. If you didn't get a chance to read it, read it. It is a ton of fun. Bernard Chang's artwork is incredible, just on another level. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know last year we had Jin Wen Yang winning Best Writer because of all of the things that he was doing there, and I think that that has continued here. It's so wonderful to see him really at the top of his game uh, with books like Shang Chi and uh, Monkey Prince, and I think that's my whole list. Yeah. Uh oh. Uh oh. No, Joey actually took it. Uh, Exactly where I was gonna go. I felt like I I felt like that one issue was kind of wasted, telling that same story because everything that for was, which for Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. yeah I was like I get it like Talo I get it like it was just in the movies but it was like it was literally the movie like exactly to a T and the thing is everything else that was happening I was really engaged in I was like oh I, yeah I really found that part I was like I want more of that just give me more of that why do we ha- we could have done a couple of panels. Of of some story, even just like alluding to it, and maybe save that whole story for like when the new team takes over. But mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I, I I was a little disappointed in that aspect of it because I do feel like it was just a really lazy way to tell a story that has essentially already been told, right? In another format. So yeah, that was kind of that was a bummer. And it connects it so much to the MCU version that it, it reminded me of like when we read America Born in the USA. Oh. And like when we read that and we were like, they're doing this because they're making a show. Like like yeah. it, it just felt like that, you know? And you're right. Like those flashback scenes being such kind of like clear recreations of the story from the film. Um it really took away from the energy of the betrayal or the, the quote unquote betrayals and the fighting of the bad guys and like mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. the cosmic cubes, like all this crazy stuff that's been going on in those six issues. They're like, Oh yeah. Also, by the way, we're going to do like these extended flashbacks to a story that the mom is telling him in the middle of a fight. <laughs> like he's like literally dealing with some shit and his mom just like walks in and he's like, Oh yeah, I forgot. I, I, I got to tell you this story. Right. 
And the thing is, it didn't even really have anything to do with what was immediately happening. No. It was no. like, you could wait for us to have coffee later yeah. Yeah. and tell me the story. Shang-Chi so, is like, I got to punch this guy, Ma. Like, what? <laughs> exactly. Can, can I get a second while I throw my yeah. arrows at his face or something? Yeah. yeah. But you're right. You know, like, if they had just finished the story and then been like, hey, Marcus Toe is coming on and we're going to get a, a whole issue from the perspective of Mom. Yep. Just do that, you know, or the annual or whatever. Like, it just would. do that. I've got an observation for you, Joey, mm-hmm. about your books. Mm-hmm. I think Ecstatics might be the only omnibus that I read from cover to cover without, like, walking away to something else. Oh, yeah. That book is so good. Oh, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It is on a, it, it, it like the story it tells, how it deals with the medium and the form and the characters is incredible. And any t- like they've done these like little one shots here and there. So when I finished this issue, which I thought was going to just be another one shot and it was like issue 2 coming next month, I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And that's why I didn't pick it up because I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to be teased, but if you're telling me that there's going to be like yeah. five issues, I think, I'm totally I think it's at least four or five. Um, and it is ex- it like, obviously the all reds have continued to just grow as artists entirely, but it still feels like it, it feels like the old days, you know, like it feels like that book again is just like picking up where it left off. Um, it's really good. Really, really good. Oh man. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna need to get me some of that when we're done recording. I'm gonna read that later tonight. Excellent. Um, Excellent. Exactly. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Uh, Monkey Prince sounds cool. I don't get to uh, dip into that DC Infinite Universe uh, freebie stuff, but uh, I throw down a few yeah. bones for some Monkey Prince. Well, to be clear, I pay for DC Universe Infinite, so it's not like it's like free. free. You don't pay. You don't pay for. <laughs> DC Infinite. I know you. You got that. You got that deal from a couple yeah, of years yeah. ago. Well, I, I definitely for both Marvel Unlimited and DC Universe Infinite, I definitely like grandfathered into like the old prices. Same. So yeah, which is so <laughs> wonderful because like it's current like. But anyway, like um, it's it's why I was able to read E Kill Bang Tour like uh, uh, digital when it came out digitally. You know, like because I, I saw on the solicits for this week, it was like. Harley Quinn, Eat Kill Bang Tour, number six. I was like, I read that two months ago, you know? Um, so it's it's uh, it's it's cool that those books are there. Same thing with like the Milestone stuff. But they don't say anything. Like I would not have known. I just like happened to be on the app the day before I usually buy my comics and I saw it and I was like, wait, what? Um, but I loved it. It was so fun. I have just taken to like I always obviously now we always check for milestones. So I have just taken to certain things that I wouldn't say are prestige things, but rather maybe out of the norm of the the you know the the, the lines of the Trinity. You know, if it's not in the line, like in one of the lines of the Trinity, I I tend to look on DC. You know, yeah, in universe because I'm like, hmm, this is probably something they want more people to get their eyes on. So let's see if they throw it out there. And usually I'm right. Same with yeah. represent was all up there. Yeah. I I don't I doubt number two will be on it. They'll probably just do like the number one on mm-hmm. the app and then you have to go buy number two, yeah. which I'm totally fine to do. This is a 12 issue max maxi series, as we call them back in the day. <laughs> um uh, but it's so fun. And Bernard Chang is just like talk about a breakout, like he's so 
so energy, so much energy in there. And there's a, there's like a, to use song terminology, a bridge, if you will, Ooh. an interlude that Mirror. like, you, like you have the monkey prince se- sequences. And then all of a sudden, like the art, like you're like, wow, they got another artist for this, like two page spread. No, nah, it's Bernard Chang just like doing something different with it. Um, as we flash to a whole other place. And, uh, it's, it's a really good first issue. That's awesome. Check it out after the show. Yeah, especially if you're into some like penguin nonsense and like some Batman being a douche nonsense. Like, oh, I, I love that. Statements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Batman. I don't know why it took me so many months because I know that they did this a while ago, but I purchased uh, whatever it was, Batman 118 or whatever the newest Batman issue was the other day. And I had like major sticker shock when I looked at that thing and it was five bucks, I had like whiplash. I was like, what? And I have no idea why I haven't noticed for all of these months that they changed that price tag. Holding the line, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Blew my mind. It blew my, I was like, have I been doing this every two weeks? Like, this is madness. I don't know how y'all have that auto subscribe on Comixology. Like, oh, I don't. I, I don't have. I don't have that shit. No I, way. Well, I have it for the Magic Order. That's it. <laughs> no, no. I've, 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 if I've ever done that, it's been by accident, and I think that only happened once. No, I mean it's I'm, confusing. That's the only one I'm subscribed to because uh, I know I'm going to read that one. But no, none of the other stuff. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. I don't. Whatever, whatever. I'm like hardcore about i still get uh physically and i i order it to my lcs so i haven't been down there in forever because it's a pain in the ass to go anywhere right now but uh yeah that batman price it's real it's uh it's a real thing all right worth it though um aaron (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. you go ahead all right here we go you have a sun hat on i feel like you need a sun hat and a fan when you reacted to me just now <laughs> well all right it's about to get real black y'all so all right dark blood number five and six. First of all i didn't get any, yeah. i didn't get any lightning but i'm not gonna call out the shade but whatever thank you Okay, Dark Blood number five and six. Latoya Morgan, Moises Hidalgo. So uh, where do we go with this? I'm going to be very quick with this. So we jump in in and out of time again, um, and we're finally beginning to see, I think, a little bit better where all the dots are connected for Avery Aldridge, who finds himself in a very Tuskegee-like situation where he is dealing with the impact of this weird power that he's, you know, he's, he's somehow gathered while at the same time recognizing who he is, where he is. Um, you know, as we're jumping through time, we see him as a POW in World War II. Uh, what he has to do to get out of that situation, we see him, you know, under the care of a not so, you know, not so uh, nice doctor. We see him, you know, in racist Alabama in the 50s and 60s, all not good times. So, you know, you find him in this situation where he realizes he's got this, this, condition and things go from bad to worse. So we spent the last four issues essentially getting to this point, um, sort of watching him, you know, take a step back, take a, you know, a step further and further down and, and realizing that he's at this point of being hopeless. And these were the issues where he realizes, listen, 
I can go down or I can go down fighting, however you want to do this. And he takes some things into his own hands by basically going on the offensive and, and, and going to the, the, the root of the issue, the cause of the problem, and finding the people who did this to him and figuring out why they did it and telling them that they're never going to do it again. And things take a turn and, you know, sacrifices have to be made. And he made some sacrifices, but I think it was a, a good way to sort of end this chapter of it. I'm not sure if it's going to continue and if it does, how they can continue where they, based on where they wrapped up. But I think it's is definitely something that I may actually go back and read again and, you know, all as, as one chunk because I really enjoyed the, 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 the arc of the story. All right. Book number two, New Masters number one, also by Image. Uh, team Shobo Coker and, and Shaf Coker. I'm going to read a little bit of the solicit here. So we have Nigerian brothers Shobo and Shaf uh, present New Masters, a groundbreaking blend of science fiction, adventure, drama, and vibrant Afrofuturism in uh, a striking vision of West Africa under the thumb of alien colonizers. A motley crew of outcasts find themselves caught up in a power struggle for control of an ancient artifact with immense power. So this book did a lot to establish a world, and it sort of took a direction that I didn't expect. It starts off when you're following a, a young girl named Ala, and you kind of think that at this point that that's going to be the, 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 the focal point of the story. Um, even after reading this, this little solicit here, you think that's going to be the focal point of the story. You think her initial sort of adventure is going to be what drives it. But then as you get a little bit further in, you realize, okay, they're bringing out a bunch of different characters. They're explaining what these characters' roles are um, and explaining how they exist in this world um, that has been created here. It is exactly what, what's said here. There's this very, very fragile sort of world structure that's set up uh, based on the value of something called obsidian. Um, and it's, it's like a fuel and how much there is left on the planet and what that does for the relationship with this alien race. And, you know, there are this sort of tipping point right now where they can, if they accomplish one thing, they can turn the tide on the colonizers and, and figure out, you know, how to exist moving forward without, you know, without being under the thumb of oppression. Obviously, you can see the parallels there. Um, I, I think this is going to be a fun story. I was excited after reading the first issue to see how they were building this world out and to see where it was going to go. So I will keep you all posted. I was also very appreciative of the fact that, you know, we, as we said earlier, the brothers and Nigerian brothers really stuck to the, the, the authenticity of language. Uh, and speech and vernacular um, in the book. So uh, there may be times when a reader is a little bit confused, but I'm sure for someone who shares their upbringing and their, their background, it makes a, a lot of sense. But um, I still think this book is worth worth going through it and, and picking up and giving it a shot. Like I said, image number one, do what you got to do. So the Magic Order number, the Magic Order two, number four by image, Mark Millar, Stuart Eminem. London is under attack. Actually, the world is under attack by Mr. Victor Korn, who essentially wants to see his people knock over the order and rule the world, his people being those oppressed uh, sort of dark magic wielders uh, that I mentioned in a previous episode. Um, he has basically gathered up all the pieces of a artifact that will essentially make him all powerful and, uh, and allow him to accomplish his goals. Um, he's just got to you know, manage to stay ahead of the order, which he has been able to do pretty well so far. Um, things are looking pretty dire for our, our, our little gang of uh, uh, magicians, and, and I don't really see a way out of it, but I guess that's going to be <laughs> up to the <laughs> up to Mr. Millard to figure that out um, if he makes it stick. Um, and I'm just going to say, Francis fucked it up for everybody. That's all I'm going to say. If you, if you, oh, if you, if you, if you know, you know. <laughs> so, anyway, next, crossover 10 and 11. What? Donny Cates, D. Conniff, John J. Hill, Jeff Shaw, 
fourth wall, what fourth wall? <laughs> there, there's no fourth wall anymore. All right. We get to learn a little bit more about Pendleton and some of his emotional motivations. We got some people showing up who just have an unbelievably hysterical exchange with the powers group, which just literally had me audibly laughing. Um, who's writing the story now? How, how, you know, how, what's real, what's preordained? Donnie Cates, Joey, you know what I'm talking about? Bitch, this ain't a podcast. That had me in tears. I was like cracking up. Um, who's the master of our own fate? I don't know. There's just a lot going on and it all circles back. Now it makes a little bit more sense as to, to Elle and how she fits into this entire story. We're going to figure that out soon. We get to that final page and there is a dead man walking. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. See what I'm saying? Mm. All right. So then the last thing I'm going to talk about super quick, or maybe not, depending on how this goes. I finally caught up with the book of Boba Fett. Uh huh. Ah, yes. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Yep. No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, so, I mean, really? No, 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 I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. No, no, no. I'm not going to. I'm not going to be that. So I, 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 I was going to say I mainlined. I mainlined the whole, the all six episodes. Um, you snorted all three episodes, <laughs> and and essentially, and essentially one sitting. Um, and. Uh, I am never one to really try to compare shows to say this is better than that because of these things that they're, they should be equal on. But I do feel as though because they are in the same universe, it sort of it blends itself a little bit to that, the same universe as The Mandalorian. And that was never made more obvious than when you get to a couple of episodes. Uh, I don't want to spoil, but you get to a couple of episodes where you're easily able to make that assessment. The there is a sense of tension and emotion and the dire, I, I don't know, just dire, I don't know, with the Mandalorian that just emanates through every episode, just to sort of like it's a, it's a chore for him to continue to balance all these things and his emotional connection to, to Grogu and all these things. It's, you can feel it. It's palpable. And you understand the, you get to see played out very well, the depth of his skill and the, what makes him so valuable as a, as a Mandalorian and all those things were very well played out. Six episodes in, I still ask the question we asked in a previous episode. Why is Boba Fett such a cult <laughs> hero? I do not feel as though this show, I'm not going to go into the, I do not yeah. feel as though this show has answered Helps that us. question yet. Yeah. It just hasn't. They haven't, they haven't given him the character, my opinion. They haven't given the character enough of a footing it seemed like they were in the early issues early episodes they haven't given the character enough of a footing to justify the amount of power that he has assumed and i don't know why and i'm, I'm kind of figuring right. out what, what are they right. waiting and for? then and then the the last two episodes of the series had the five and six have been the best ones arguably and he's not even in them that's where i was that's where i was hinting at earlier yeah. but it oh uh, you can yeah pe people people are keeping up on their boba fett spoilers for i'm going to be talking about spoilers for episode six so 
uh, in a minute. So if you have not watched Boba Fett's episode six, you might want to skip ahead a few minutes. Now, with all that said, I I really do enjoy being in the universe. I enjoy yeah. being in the space. I will absolutely keep coming back and watching it. I'm not I'm not saying the show and its structure and format is bad. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I don't understand the aura of this character and this show so far hasn't explained that to me. It doesn't justify. I don't even I don't get why she's not the you know, she's more badass than Fennec Shand. Fennec yes. Shand rules. She's I would more, watch a Fennec Shand yeah. show for sure. I feel like she's she's more badass, and she justifies. I understand, and I do understand that. I think he is sort of he's shifting. You know, his time with the Sand People has shifted him, has changed him. So I, I get that they're adding this sort of uh, layer of humanity to him. But I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I'm not getting. I think, and I don't know this for sure, but I'm just going to go out on a limb here. And say that there is a lot, a lot of Star Wars novelizations. Oh, of oh, and yeah. I would not be surprised if Boba Fett has been featured heavily. Oh, he has. Oh, in extended those- universe. Yeah, He's yeah, the yeah. Big, is the biggest star. But for those of us who only watch the movies, he's yeah. the guy who got eaten by a sarlacc. Oh yeah, I've never I've never been a Boba Fett fan. I am a very like mild Star Wars fan in general. Um, I do want to talk about episode six ever Ooh. so briefly, if I may. Right, yep, I'm done. Shut the dang Great. Because I do want to point out uh, a few things. One, uh, give Bryce Dallas Howard either her own Star Wars series or let her direct a Star Wars movie. Period. She's incredible. She's a, she's a great Star Wars director. Um I'm going to, okay, spoilers for episode six. So if you've not seen Boba Fett's, la, 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 that, la, 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 la. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, go, go, go do something yeah. for a few minutes and come back. Um, Luke Skywalker shows up what? in this episode. Yes. Luke Skywalker shows up and not like last time where he's under a, you know, a, a cloak and it doesn't seem he's doing like, his little. It doesn't seem like Luke Skywalker at all. No. Uh, this episode, however, uh, instead of hiding him underneath things and maybe hiding the, yeah, Dave Filoni directed episode six, but Bryce Dallas Howard directed uh, five. <laughs> yes, Joey, I can see you messaging me. Why didn't want to like blow up your spot on the show? I'm still right. <laughs> I didn't screw anything up. Anyway, back to Luke Skywalker. The boringest guy in the ca- oh no. um, oh I've had enough I've had enough with Luke Skywalker oh, if they never used him again I'd be perfectly okay with I it actually enjoyed that but part. yeah it was but I I'm I'm over Luke Skywalker and I'm kind of over Grogu I'm sorry uh, he's adorable but I'm good Kylo Ren's um, gonna go that's who I think should go and he did yeah. yes and he did anyway getting back to what I wanted to say no it's too late Steve. <laughs> The the technology in episode six with them doing like a deep fake Luke Skywalker, um, I'm positive that it was another actor with Luke's face on it. Oh, of course. Yeah. But that technology, whatever, whatever sacrifices Disney has made on the altar to be (laughs) blessed with the ability to recreate de-age and recreate people and synthesize their voices. And he was walking around in this episode for like a good 20 minutes. 
in broad daylight, mm-hmm. the camera just zoomed right in on his face. It looked so good. Yeah, it's leaps it and was, bounds. It's oh, leaps it was and bounds. uncanny. There's a great episode of uh, VFX artists react. The corridor crew guys on YouTube. Mm-hmm. They do like artist reacts videos. Um, that breaks down the Mandalorian episode, the deep fake tech that they used for that one. And yeah. just the jump from that to this is, is mm. leaps and bounds ahead. It's yeah. Episode six was pretty wild. There were, there were a lot of like, they're not even necessarily cameos. They're, they're either reintroductions or introductions to new characters uh, that made that episode really exciting. And I, I'm, I can already see where we're going and I like it and I'm on board. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be a little tired. I might have Luke Skywalker fatigue. Well, there's but, only, um, there's only one episode left. I think. Really? Of, of Boba Fett? Yeah. It's only I'm pretty sure seven the, episodes. I'm pretty sure the finale is right now is, is today. Time travel is today because then next week is like, a Marvel assembled video or something. And then I, I think there's two in a row and then we're gearing up for moon night, you know? Ooh. So I think that, uh, I think it's really short. And I think what I'm realizing is that this book of Boba Fett thing is like an interlude series between the Mandalorian two and Mandalorian three. Yeah. I think, I think Mandalorian three is, is going to end up being Mandalorian and Boba Fett just put together, Yeah, which makes sense because I think that, to your point from before about like who that, who, why is Boba Fett such a Boba Fett thing? Um, I, I think that the first four episodes was like Dave Filoni and John Favreau being like, Hey, you wanted to see it. So we're doing it, you know, and we're going to complicate right. the character a little bit. We'll pull him out of the pit. But really what we're doing is we're just moving some pieces into play for the, yeah, you're repositioning the big final Mandalorian act, you know? Um, I was shocked that episode six kind of like was episode five and episode six were like a continuation of the Mandalorian Grogu story in a really meaningful, wonderful way. And, and, and again, positions those characters for their future adventures. Um, So no, I, I agree that like, why is this a show? Like what, like, what is it? But here's what I'll say. My colleague's son is like eight, I think eight or nine. And freaking loves it. So, That's end awesome. of the day, like he, like the kid is getting hyped about like building the audience, right? Yeah, there, yeah. like Kristan showing up and like all these the people from the comics and things and the yep. Clone Wars. Like he's he like freaking loves it. And you know what? And it's not going anywhere either. Exactly. Like Andor's coming out. Yeah. Um. There's all kinds of the Ahsoka series is going to be coming out with Mary Elizabeth Winstead just recently Ooh. got cast for that. Ooh. End of the day, like as it's it's good. I watch it. I'm like, whatever. This is fine. And then the last couple of episodes have been a ton of fun. Starting with episode five, which was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> yes. Oh, the shade again. <laughs> but no, again, I. Okay. I don't <laughs> think this show is a bad show. I want to be very clear about that. I just don't know if it answers the question. Now, I will say, Bob, do you remember Sid Marty Croft? Yes, I do. <laughs> HR <laughs> Puffin stuff and the banana splits. Yeah. And yes, I'm a, I was a big oh, fan yeah, back HR in Puffin the day. Stuff. Yes. So I, I will say that whole chase scene with the mods and the mayor's assistant 
was giving me H.R. Puffin stuff vibes. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I didn't. I was just like, you can do better than this. I'm like, that That just, it was a little odd. It, out of Yo. every episode I'm just, I'm just I saw. Just crank the camera and get them all speeded up running yeah. around. Wow. I, out of every episode, I felt like everything was pretty tight, you know, from a from a technology perspective, a CGI perspective. For whatever reason, Puffin that episode, stuff. that episode was giving me banana splits vibes or something like that. I, I love the banana splits. Yeah, yeah, but not not in not in the Star Wars universe perhaps. Yeah. Not to not to derail us again entirely, but I got to ask I st- I started looking up images for HR Puff and stuff to maybe use for the art. What is going on oh, with so the human awesome. characters in this show? You got this like evil clown witch crackhead looking thing yeah, what exactly. is happening first of all pay some respect she just passed away a couple years ago this is true this is true 96 years old <laughs> that show listen that's when saturday morning cartoons were actually on saturday morning <laughs> yes they, and were. they were fun and they, and they were, were cartoons cool. they were yeah. nightmares and you you, <laughs> you loved to it. live them you got up with your big sugary bowl of cereal and sat there and watched yep. it from six in the morning until noon and then you went outside and played so yeah, banana splits, all that stuff. They were all part of that whole sort yeah. of fantasy wait, land. Land of the Lost was uh, yeah. wait, 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 Marty. For real though, when do I get to talk about crossover? Well, we're getting there. Oh, we're getting there. My bad. I'm not done talking about <laughs> this <Puffin> like <laughs> witch clown wielding a recorder as a wand. Yeah, yeah and, and, and okay, so I'm gonna. Put this in the chat. You guys go ahead. So crossover. I was gonna say, go ahead, John. <laughs> so crossover. So I was I was behind the entire second arc. I read the Chip Zdarsky gets murdered and he spoons himself a, a issue, <laughs> and I was like, I need a break from crossover. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I just we got distracted by the awards and stuff. So I I picked up from eight and I read eight, nine, ten, and eleven back to back to back, and uh, that book. Like the first arc was like, oh my gosh, look, it's comic characters, and there's like a, you know, they're it's a they're they're crossing over with the real world and blah blah blah, and it's like, oh, this is fun, and then they start whacking comic book creators, <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is happening? And all the second arc is a a whole nother level, like the 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 meta narrative of it all, the everything. Aaron, I was saying this before the show that like between this and Department of Truth. This whole like thing about the stories become reality is like this thread going through comics and going through a lot of media right now that I think is so fascinating to think about. But this series takes it with its tongue firmly in its cheek to le- degrees of humor and wit and, and cleverness that I haven't seen in a very, very long time. Um, the powers sequence <laughs> in issue ten is stunning, stunning. It's so good. I love they're doing the. First of all, not even only that. The power sequence in issue nine, when Ellie is like, "We're not doing this powers thing." Yes, and, and, and Dina and Christian are like. What are you talking about? What powers thing? And then they're like, okay, I guess we're doing it. Double page spread, 50 word balloons. And I'm like, <laughs> yep, this is a Bendis book. You know, Th- that's the thing that I really like about it. That like Donny Cates is doing, he's doing his best versions of these characters without it coming off as 
campy imitations. It comes off as authentic and part of the story. And it, it is, it, it does the character, you know, a certain creator makes a very, like he says, you sound just like her, you know? Yep. Um, and I agree. It's, it's really awesome. I also love when, so the, the creator is spoilers for issue 10, which is three months old at this point is Bendis. Bendis is talking to his powers characters. And there's this line where <laughs> Dina says like, she's like, what, like, why did you make me do those things? And, and Bendis is like, I can think of three things that you might be talking about. <laughs> and she's like, no, what are you talking about? I meant like write my life. And I'm like, it is, it's so funny, but also so smart. Like the book is so smart. And the Donny Cates like element of it is, is just really, really cool. And, cool. you know, I, I, you know, I did say crossover at our best of show and no one had my back on it, but it is a book on in and in unto itself at this point, I think is not taking anything away also from the artwork. Like the art is just so, 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 so oh, cool. No, wait, where it turned a page for me in issue 10 is when Bendis is in there with them and they inform him that someone has been whacking off the, 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 Whacking off, come on, Aaron. Uh, Whacking, what he says. (laughs) Watch your mouth. Catch us on OnlyFans. No. Um, He has who's dead and like Chip Jadarski. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, Brian came on. Oh, no, we came came up together. And they go, Scott Snyder, deadpan face. Silent. I just that caught me so off guard. I was like, but, "Wow, the shade against Snyder." Also, the cliffhanger to that issue never resolved. Huge cliffhanger. Yep. Anyway, and I uh, love my other favorite part about the Bendis powers interrogation scene is when Bendis was like, "It wasn't me. Like, I I, I didn't write all of that book." And then Michael Oming just like floats out of the darkness and was like, <laughs> "You're talking about me." <laughs> It's, it's, it's so good. It's, it's so good, so especially good. like if you're in on the inside baseball. Like I think it's even better. So like, I, I, yeah, I just that book is so 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 good. I may have to catch up with this. This sounds like a Donny Cates book I want to read. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was thinking about that at the last scene. <laughs> where I was like, "Ooh, I don't know how Bob would feel about this at all because yeah. he might be conflicted." Yeah, uh, no, I'm more conflicted when he does what he does in the books I used to read. But this sounds so out there that it has to have its own charm just for that, just to dare to do all these crazy things. I mm. think this would be a great sort of one sit down read. Oh yeah, I, no, well, like I said, I think the first trade is 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 a very yeah. much its own kind of like story, mm-hmm. a lot of world building, really cool introduction to the character. The Zadarsky fill in is. Is it is it is a break in the in the form of the book, but it really is a distinct transition between yeah. volume one and volume two. It's a break, um, but hundred percent set the tone for what we're talking about now. Oh. Right now, yeah. The fact that the crossover of volume two is the same crossover <laughs> as the of volume one is that's bizarre genius. No, that's yeah. genius. Yeah. It reminds me of um, this is nothing like nothing to do in terms of like the content or themes or style of the book. But remember Tokyo Ghost 
And yeah, like yeah. the first volume of Tokyo Ghost, you were like, wow, this is a really cool this book. And then the end of volume a, one, you're like, what the hell? And <laughs> yes. then volume two is like a whole other thing. Like that's how I felt just bl- blasting through volume two before the show tonight. I was like, how did we get here? And I was like, oh, yeah, Zadarsky. <laughs> There's a lot going on. A yeah. lot going on. Aaron, before we get off your books, I want to speak to Dark Blood. I, because you brought it to the table, those first four issues were incredible. Hearing the depth that is being added for these next two, it has to go on further, doesn't it? I hope so. I really, really hope so. The final sort of, I don't know, I, I would say two pages, um, really it connects with history. So I don't know how they would come out of that, but I love the way it connects with history. And I will say it's, you know, in the beginning of the civil rights. Right. Oh, oh, I I, I see where we're heading, but that's so perfect for where this series was. It had so much depth in those first four issues that how you, you can't back away from that. You have to then lean in. What I hope that people do is I hope, because you can do two things with this book. You can read it and look at it for the supernatural aspect of it Mm -hmm. and, and, and not really see all the other layers that are there. Or you can see the parallels, even the scene, there's a, there's a scene in the prison, in the, with the Nazis where even there, there are parallels that are drawn um, with the reality of what existence like would have been like for a, a black man in, in the forties and fifties um, and what we're seeing today. And, and you have to sort of st- step back and take a very macro look at the, the book and sort of see where it's going. Yeah. It's giving you that superhero type stuff. It's giving you the, the supernatural stuff, but it, it's all supernatural stuff under the backdrop of some heavy shit that really happened. So now add that, that, superpower stuff on top of the fact that this is a black man in Alabama in this in the fifties and then go from there. Oh, incredible. It's why the, the moments of Watchmen, the television show worked so well where you blend in the real history that so many people didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. And you confront it, look at it. We have a complicated history in this country. It is not a very nice history in a lot of places. Well, Shining a light on it helps helps everyone. We better not talk about. It. We don't want to make little white kids unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> what? Fuck off. <laughs> uh, okay. Before we get away from your your books, I uh, started reading the Magic Order after you and John were raving about it so much. And uh, I was not expecting that series to start off with, uh, with the bone. <laughs> I opened up that first page. I was like, Whoa, we're just gonna, we're just gonna get right to it. Get right in there. Hey, that's uh, where the magic happened, baby. <laughs> it's, go- it's gorier than I imagined. Like there's a, there's a death right in that first issue in the very beginning that I was just like, Whoa, it doesn't tamp down after that. You should just prepare yourself. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. I'm excited to keep going with it. I only got the first issue read last night, but um, it's gorgeous. The uh, Olivier Coipel artwork is just and, phenomenal. And I will just echo what John said before. If you can get Coipel back, Eminent is is a great 
oh, <laughs> you know, sort, back sort up because yeah. he just does amazing, amazing, amazing with this book. I got them all, man. I got a list a mile long of stuff that I've got to catch up on. I've been reading not, I mean, not that reading too much Batman's a bad thing, but like I've been in a real bat mode lately that it's, I've been staying in Gotham for like the past couple of weeks. I need to break out. It's very easy to do. Wasn't there a week, a month or so ago where they had 13 bat books in one week? Well, we had, you know, however many weeks that we were doing the award stuff that I wasn't reading anything. And that, that detective comics run, they got an issue coming out like every week yeah. of that. It feels like that, that book is coming out at an alarming rate. Uh, and it's, I mean, I'll talk about it in a little bit, but As you uh, should. It should be your. It should be next because you know it's right there. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll jump into my books. Uh, let me get out my creative teams because I don't have any notes. Uh, what do we got here? Detective Comics, ten forty-five to ten fifty-one. What a segue! I know it's what I. What's part of what I read. This week, um, I'm just going to give you the creative team for 1045 because I did not go through all of these individual books to pull everybody's names. Written by Mariko Tamaki, art by Ivan Reese. Reese Rice. Come on, help me out here. Reese. Thank you. Robert Rice. Inks by, <laughs> shut up. Inks, inks by Danny Miki. Uh, colors by Brad Anderson and letters by Ariana Marr. Uh, oof, God, what is not going on at Detective Comics? This is a this is a wild run. This was right after the fear state and going into the uh, the tower series, if you will. This is exploring Arkham after everything has transpired and everything went haywire, and now we're dealing with the new people. Doctor Ware is running Arkham now, and he has devised. Some kind of some kind of thing. We don't know if it's a drug. We don't know if it's a therapy method. But all of the inmates of Arkham, they feel just fine. Like they're doing just fine. They're they're behaving. They're not uh, shackled to anything anymore. They're allowed to have scissors and arts and crafts. Like this is not the kind of crowd that you want to be, you know, giving real scissors to. What is his secret? Well, it turns out that this uh, story has been going on for a little while, so I'm going to tell you what Dr. Weir's secret is. It's our old friend, Psycho Pirate. Oh, no! Psycho Pirate! I like Psycho Pirate. Psycho Pirate. Psycho Pirate is not having a good time in this. Apparently, Dr. Weir and Psycho, uh, Psycho Pirate our old friends and Dr. Ware called him up and was like, yo, I figured out a way to scam millions and millions of dollars out of the mayor. But in order to do it, we have to fool everybody into thinking that the inmates are fine, that they feel good and you're going to make that happen. And so what we've got is the bat family trying to solve this mystery. You get a lot of, um, a lot of Batwoman in this, which is which is pretty awesome. Uh, like how heavily her character is featured in this. Huntress is having a bit of a hard time ever since she has been kind of getting these nightmare visions uh, during Fear State. She hasn't quite gotten over those yet, but 
the sun might come out tomorrow. We don't, we don't know. Um, this is a pretty wild story where everybody's trying to solve this mystery. And then, like I said, I kind of blew it apart for you with the whole psycho pirate thing. But after that reveal, it becomes about this villain kind of being taken advantage of and being abused by a so-called friend of theirs and trying to juggle the minds of everyone that is kind of watching this citywide story. And so Psycho Pirate is just stretched real thin because he's got the inmates under control, the staff, all of Gotham City, uh, presumably even some of the Bat family. Uh, and it is just this, it, like, I feel for him. I know he's a villain and I know he's not doing great things and it is never good to take advantage of someone's mind. But I see him with all of his Red Bulls in front of the, the command center trying to, like, keep all the, the balls in the air as he's juggling all the, around all his responsibilities. And I'm just like, oh, man, can't we just can't we just give Psycho Pirate a nap? Like, come on. Anyway, uh, Detective Comics, Mariko Tamaki doing a really, really good job with the Detective Comics stuff right now. Uh, it's interesting. It's really cool to see the Bat family all working together to get the job done in Batman's absence. I'll tell you, I've been away from the mainline Batman book. I think I read the first two, but the only thing that I remember about it is the new villain. I don't really remember much of the actual story or where Batman is in all of this. All I know is that he's gone. So I'm going to have to go back and remind myself. I wish John was here. He could probably tell me, but, uh, Detective Comics, not bad, not bad at all. Archival Quality, Ooh. written by Ivy Noel Weir, illustrated uh, illustrated and colored by Steens, uh, letters by Jomé Gil, and flatting assistance by Deb Grove. What is flatting? Does anybody know? Not uh, that pushing this one. Flatting is, um, it's like... Not like it's fluffing. Ca- no, no. <laughs> Whoa. So, like, who's the main artist? Um, Steens. Okay, so Steens does the line work, right? And then the flatting comes in, and they do kind of the line and coloring pass over it. Okay. Sorry, I had another episode title. I had to write it down. <laughs> We're not going to use it, but it's still funny. Um, thank you, Joey, for that informative little bit. I didn't know that. I don't know a lot of things about comics. I need to read a book. What is that? Uh, what is that? That Scott McCloud book? Understanding, Understanding comics. comics. Yeah, that's a classic. I don't remember flatting being in that one though. Thank you, Joey. <laughs> yeah, it, all these it's, years, it's new with like the digital stuff because so much of the digital is just like series of. Anyway, I'm not going to yeah, get into yeah, the stuff. <laughs> um, no, I'll get I'll, I'll get into my book here. So, Archival Quality is a very cool book. It starts off. It's about a girl named Celeste. Celeste is she's wanted to be a librarian her whole life. She finally got her dream job. Unfortunately, uh, she's been having a really rough time mentally, and had what we are believed to be some kind of breakdown at work which eventually led to her being fired. Uh, I don't necessarily know what transpired, but, you know, you feel for her right off the bat as someone who might have just had a bad day 
or was just feeling overwhelmed by her surroundings. And, you know, she lost control a little bit and now she doesn't know what to do with herself. She's a little unhappy in her relationship. She's been with her boyfriend for about five years and she just wants to get back into another job, keep her mind busy and, and move forward and possibly find her way back around into being a librarian again. She ends up coming across a uh, job as an archivalist for like this mysterious museum that is uh, perhaps a little bit too far from her apartment, but the job comes with a perk. It has its own uh, apartment on the premises. So the archivists are always invited to live there. She decides to go, but upon moving in, Celeste discovers that the museum is in fact dun, dun, dun. This place is haunted, yo. No. (laughs) What a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot to mention, it also used to be a uh, sanatorium. Wow. There you go. Yes. Yes. And uh, there might be some some shady business and uh, a shady board of directors that are meeting, having secret meetings and secret rooms within said museum. And... um, Celeste works very odd hours, and so she is starts being visited by this entity that is wandering around this museum. It's she's in her dreams. She's kind of poking up around the museum and getting her into trouble and kind of messing the joint up a little bit. And Celeste ends up having to lean on the people that she works with in order to not only solve this mystery, but also keep herself together as she's trying to convince everyone of what's actually happening within uh, the walls of this museum without them thinking that she's crazy to use her own words. She's very afraid of being uh, put away again at the hospital. You know, this ghost isn't, doesn't always have the best ways of trying to get noticed. And sometimes Celeste gets hurt and the mere mention of her going to get help by any kind of doctor or hospital, she clams up and, you know, becomes very resistant to the very idea. So you get a very vulnerable character to follow through this story. And you also meet like her persnickety boss, Abba. Uh, there's a really lovely, um, librarian that works at the museum named Holly, her girlfriend, Gina. And then there's dude face, the boyfriend. I can't even, I apologize. I don't don't remember his name. I'm just going to call him dude face. Dude face is like, mm, he's, ah, he's one of those characters. He's one of those guys, right? That like, he's trying to help. Like, I think deep down, he's genuinely, he cares about Celeste. He wants her to, get the help that she needs to feel well. But he also knows how to do it in kind of like a gaslighty way every now and again. And I, I, I'm really happy to say that at one point in the story, Celeste kind of takes charge of that situation and lets him know that that shit's not going to fly anymore. Uh, and that was definitely a really like celebratory moment for me while reading the story. But it has a lot to say about people being able to openly talk about what's bothering them. Um, It is definitely pro, it's a pro therapy book in that it really, 
teaches you that there is no shame in going to talk to someone and that, you know, sometimes it really helps to have an objective third party to put that energy out to and to get professional feedback because that shouldn't always fall onto your partner or your friends. Um, anyway, I, it's, it's a really, really lovely book. It's got a good mystery to it too. Like, I don't know if everything landed for me by the end, but I will say this much. I was definitely pulled in and I definitely kept reading because I wanted to know what is this thing that is happening at this place? What is the mystery? And are they going to be able to resolve this to the point where whoever's doing these hauntings is sated and happy and can move on? And um, there's a lot of mirroring between the, the ghosts themselves and Celeste's character. I believe the um, the ghost's name is actually Celine. And um, it's really cool how the two of them are, are alike in a way and they share a bond. Uh, and it's really beautiful and really eye-opening. And I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I read it on Comixology, so if you've got Comixology, you can download it and read it for free. It's called Archival Quality, uh, and I believe it's an Oni Press graphic novel. Sounds awesome. So, yeah, it's uh, it it was really good. I I liked the art. It's got a little bit of a Kristen Gudsnucky oh, uh, look to there it. There you go. And yeah. Yeah, it, it 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 ticked a lot of the a lot of the Steve boxes. I was like, ooh, weird, creepy museum. Staying up like late at night to do archival work, and it's haunted. Like that works for me. Um, and then it turned out to be really a museum. Jesus, no, well, not, not exactly. Yeah, that, got, that goes places. So the flatter technical. So here's what the flatter <laughs> does, right? The artist yeah. does the pencil work, and then because all these colorists now use digital coloring, right? The flatter has to go in and basically segment out the surfaces oh. for the color colorist passes. Oh, so they deliberate where the colors go? Kind of. Like, kind I've of. always wondered about it's that. A, it's a, it's a, so like you were saying, like, I'll just look at my Scott McCloud book. I don't know if it'll be in the I Scott know, McCloud book. <laughs> well, but, but to some degree, like basically the flatting is the, is the step between – pencils inks and then colorists i'm sure actually there was a kind of iteration of flatting prior to the digital elements for like the kind of designation of areas for coloring maybe but now particularly in like the current technology that a lot of folks use it's a literal act of like like segmenting out on adobe or yeah procreate or whatever well they used to actually make color color pages where they actually yeah. color them in and mark this is y37 or which is probably where right. the flatting because that's flatting basically yeah. right it's like because those things would get pressed into but anyway it's very there's so many stages in like making a comic you know um but that's why often like you have those like flatting assist things because that's a very tedious process to kind of go through and designate you know which segments or which color and how all of that yeah fascinating yeah all right Thanks, man. I don't know. I had no idea. Uh, what else do I got on this list? Oh, yo. Okay. This will be the last thing I talk about. I had other stuff, but I'm just going to, I'm going to end with this one. Lend with a doozy. Joey, did you read Children of the Woods? I I told you to read it, dude. <laughs> I know you told me to read it, but I didn't know if it was something that you just saw. No, no, and no, then no, was no. Like, I like don't recommend things if I don't personally partake. Oh. I did not realize that, that was the deal. I well, the reason why. Well, you tell your story, and then I'll tell mine. 
Uh, so Joey, Joey's messaging us in the chat and he's like, Steve, Joshua Hickson killing it again for this, this graphic novel that came out called children of the woods. This is this written by John Ciano, uh, illustrated by Joshua Hickson colors by Roman Stevens and letters by Hassan Atmani Elhow. What the, I'm sorry, just an email, um, notification. Uh, this book, yo, Bob, you you're familiar with Pumpkinhead, yes? Oh, I love Pumpkinhead. Okay, I also love Pumpkinhead. This story gave me heavy, heavy Ooh. Pumpkinhead vibes, like Pumpkinhead with a spice it up with a little bit of like satanic ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, it might not even be satanic; it's just evil as hell. Mm-hmm. And they're summoning up like you better be real careful with the magic. Like if you if you're one of these people that you find like a really old book, <laughs> no, this, don't this open book, the book. Don't read the Latin words. Oh, they do. They do worse than open the book. Okay. Like if you open the book and you start to notice that, like, yeah, you're starting to lose your appetite. You're pulling away from your friends and family. You start drawing all kinds of star combinations and countless. Uh, notebooks and then when the notebooks aren't good anymore you're gonna move right onto your walls onto your bed sheets and onto your skin like you might want to think about putting the book down uh what you don't want to do is you don't want to bring the book into the woods no and then cast a spell from it using your own blood in a place that is that you live in that is already supposed to be haunted, a place where nobody goes, and if you do, you pass right through it and you get the hell out of there and you do it only during the daytime. And this guy who – and I feel for him and he's being bullied. He has a pretty miserable life. He doesn't have any friends. And as much as he tries to reach out to this one person in this story – this girl, he he can't connect. And so he falls for this book. He's kind of romanced by this book. It ends up casting this spell. Now, I thought that this was going to be like vampire, uh, not vampire rules, werewolf rules, where dude like summons a creature from out of the earth. It goes and does his bidding. And then like it turns on him or whatever. Nope. And that's the story. Nope. Nope. Dude becomes becomes the monster. He deserves of being and, stupid. Sorry. Yeah, well, yeah, it's kind of how I feel about it too. But like, if you read, if anybody that's listening to this, if you've read the plot, there is a creature uh, in the plot, uh, also Joshua Hickson, that is just this, this hulking, razor-sharp toothed, giant long fingers and nails like the kind of the kind of hollywood creature feature where the thing just kind of takes one big swipe and the entire like rib cage and stomach just shreds right open and all the innards come flooding out that kind of thing okay, pumpkin head i'm liking this yeah. exactly it's exactly it's very like i said it was very reminiscent of pumpkin head and so where I'm thinking that this story is going to be this tragic tale of this dude who who read the wrong book and basically cursed himself to this existence. They flip it Mm -hmm. and the girl that he's been trying to connect with at school, the only person who will even treat him like a human being or give him the time of day. She is then pulled into this story and you end up following her throughout this whole thing. 
And in her trying to figure out what is going on, she that the book then becomes an object of her obsession. Mm-hmm. And it and it goes from there. I don't want to give away too much about the plot, but yo, this was some straight up like EC horror creature feature pumpkin head like Joe Bob Briggs <laughs> at the drive-in kind of stuff. It was awesome. I was Joey, I was so I read it all in one shot. Oh, yeah. Like you Same. recommended it. I picked it up that night. I read it the next night. I was up to like two o'clock in the morning reading it because I could not put it down. I, it was so cool. I bought like I was on Comicsology and I was like, oh, I got to get Shang-Chi. I got this book. And then I saw the cover for it, Children of the Woods. And I was like, that art looks familiar. Um, and then I clicked on it. It was like Josh Hickson. And I was like, I freaking love Josh Hickson. Like he's one of my favorite artists going back to Shanghai, Shanghai red, right? Like I yeah. love his art. And then I read what it was and I was like, ah, it's a horror book. I, I'm not really into horror stuff, but I was like, let me read this book. And if it's good, I'll recommend it to Steve. That was literally <laughs> my thought process. So I bought it and I read it first because I wanted to make sure that like whatever. And I could not put it down. Just like you said, like I read it. And when I messaged everyone, I had sat through, read the whole thing and, and messaged you immediately after. Um, I was so cool. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying it was so good. I love how this book shows you what it's going to do artfully right from the jump. Oh yeah. That very first page with the lantern light coming out of the woods and all the trees having this like, sickly jack-o'-lantern orange glow with these like cold blue branches spread out across this like hollowed ground with with the pentagram drawn into it Mm -hmm. and and dude about to make like the biggest mistake of his life as bad as things are they're about to get a whole lot worse Mm -hmm. and from that moment with like the transformation and everything and what he ends up looking like by the end of it and I've said it a thousand times. I was just like Pumpkinhead, one of my one of my favorite horror creatures of all time. I love that thing. The sequels were a bit much and went off the rails, but that first one, that first movie, is a classic. Dan Winston made the creature and directed. He knew how to set up a monster, and that monster really works. Oh, incredible! The 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 puppetry and the the like the prosthetic work, and not even like just the. The creature itself, the shell of that creature. And Lance Henriksen, who's was always fun to watch. Yep. So good. Anyway, this this story is one of those. Like, if you grew up with that stuff or you're a fan of that stuff, you absolutely have to read Children of the Woods. It is crazy, crazy good. And it really, it goes places too. Like I said, I'm trying not to spoil too much about the story, but it gets weird and it gets very involved and it it goes to places that i i never would have predicted and a really 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 awesome uh female protagonist to follow through the story uh and watch her transformation as well there's a lot of there's a lot of transforming going on in this story um and honestly like i don't know what we're doing at the end of the year stuff but i'm definitely holding on to this one to read again toward the end of the year to talk about it again it was that good anyway yes boom someone not someone i was going to someone is killing the children no uh 
Children of the Woods. Children of the Woods, archival quality, and uh, detective comics. The old Batman. All right, Bob. Ooh, okay. I'm most excited about Bob's lightning round. All righty. Look, I may only be a little less salty than last week. Let's try to be so, a little nicer than last fair week. Fair warning. In ascending order, kinda. The Thing Number 4 by Walter Mosley, Tom Riley, Jordi Belair, and Joe Sabino had for me anyway one great saving grace. Well, maybe two. The, color, the cover's really nice in a very curvy sort of way. But in, on the interior pages, there was a really nice full-page spread that was an ad for the Captain Carter miniseries. Look, nice. I, I, I know this is harsh, but just I'm not digging this book at all. And that's especially rough, as I had high expectations going in, being Walter Mosley. And I no, not for me. Um, Fantastic Four Life Story, number six of six by Mark Russell. Sean Isaacs, Carlos Magno, Nolan Woodward, and Joe Carmagna. Well, it concluded this mini on the strongest note it could, considering all the sewers, heartache, and, to me, off-model antics of the preceding five issues. The whole exercise struck me like the J.J. Abrams' Trek reboot did, written by someone who used the elevator pitch version of these characters, as opposed to a closer look at their true depth. That said... And that's saying a lot. Coming from that beginning, this issue still had some interesting moments. But just as with The Thing, I'd expect more during the Fantastic Four's 60th anniversary year. Sorry for anyone who enjoyed it, but it's just for me. So, big book time. Fantastic Four Reckoning War Alpha by Dan Slott, Carlos Pacheco, Rafael Fontanires, Carlos Magno, Guru FX, and Joe Carmagna. Now, you know I'm all fatigued by events that promise to change things forever. So I'd readily admit that certainly one of the first big things that happens here will, of course, be reversed. But this first chapter of Dan Slott's long aborning Reckoning War truly had the heft of consequence to its storyline. And so I am a little taken by it. The Earth is under siege from the Badoon, whose actions have been triggered by the Reckoning, a group seeking revenge for past injustices by the Watchers from before the known universe. And the collateral damage for that includes, well, everybody. <laughs> Look, outside our own universe, even Eternity is feeling the effects of these, oh, gee, just a, a post-cosmic battles, and with its own continuance threatened, the Queen of Nevers calls on the Silver Surfer for one last chance to save everything. You throw in the TVA and their connection to Jennifer Walters through Dan Slot Shield number three from 2006. More on this in just a minute. Look, for me, I couldn't have asked for a better bit of crisis building as these things go. I enjoyed the heck out of this. Now, back to Shield number three for a second. In this issue, actually it's the combined hundredth of all the volumes, Shulky's on trial by the same TVA for messing with the time stream with the penalty, her erasure from all the timelines. Now, Justice, Peace, and Justice, Love, we've seen them in, in Reckoning, to demonstrate what would happen if she wins the case, 
They show her the future, the reckoning war, which happens because of something you've already done. And obvious spoiler alert, Jen does win the trial and avoid erasure. I won't tell you how, though. But that did leave her future and past open for whatever she did or didn't or have done or timey-wimey tense problems to cause this Michigas. I... Dan Slott's been, been hyping this for literally 15 years and never got the chance to tell it. And now he's on the FF and he gets a chance. And so Reckoning War and all that's going to go with it, I'm in. I enjoyed the heck out of it and I'm done. I'm excited for Reckoning War. I'm, uh, I'm ready. You sh- and, uh, should be. It's <laughs> 15 years to prepare. Well, yes. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be a good time. That FF has been has been quite good for for a while now with Slot on that book. Yeah, and again, he's he's pulling in stuff from things he did before. You have the Queen of Nevers from his Surfer run with Mike Allred, and you're pulling in his She Hulk run. I don't doubt there'll be other things coming. We got a Trial of the Watcher issue. Watcher is very important here, and it's Uatu. He's back, and not thrilled. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> yes. I wouldn't tell you how he comes back. But Nick Fury's in this issue too. He came back hey. a while ago. What was he what was it in that he came back and he came back a while ago? Well I didn't read any of those. Ago. But uh, yeah, help me out then. Where did he where did he show up? He's here. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what book it was in, but it is exactly like they described it. You know, Nick Fury was the washer for a while and then something went awry and um and he and basically the watcher shot out from his eye. <laughs> really? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. That was original sin. Thank you. I, no, it was. But that's no, when he went into recent. the eye. No, no, no. Right? That's when he went in. But it's it's more recently. I read it. I don't know. Oh, it was the mar. It was the. It was the. I don't remember what it was called, but it was like that. Those like one shots they do every once in a while that like links all their stories together and oh, anticipates like a point what's one coming. Or one of those kind of deals. All right. No, it Marvel like Marvel Timeless or something like that. It was something like Ooh. that, but it was recent. It was like in the last six months. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah. But yeah, he comes shooting out of Nick Fury's eye and then rebuilds his place and this that, other thing. He's like, oh, by the way, Nick Fury, you're my bitch now. So we're gonna do these things. He's now the Herald. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was it was it was interesting. So, what did you think of that? Obviously, you enjoyed Reckoning War Alpha, Aaron, or am I overstating? No, I. I here's what I thought about it. I was like, boy, this is a really good retelling of the Source Wall. But I was sort of, uh, I was like, there's a lot of this universe beyond universe stuff going on. Um, this is like almost like another layer of. It's not even the multiverse. It's like a another situation altogether. So there's a lot of that going on. I always like stories that have the, you know, the, the, the whole gang there. I do appreciate that there's more Jen here. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with that. And I always love when the fantastic four engage with things um, and they're sort of you know, jutting all over the place. It seems fun. And I also noticed that whenever they, ha- yeah, is it just me? Or does it seem like whenever they have these big team up books, Spider-Man seems more infantile. Like he That's just sort point. of seems yeah. more. Oops, he, the he, sky he, is falling. Yes. Yeah. He seems more like, I don't know, childlike. 
or something in comparison to these others when in reality, you know, he's supposed to be like a super smart sort of like genius kid, but whatever. Um, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed just the gosh darn bang up, you know, <laughs> fun of it. So I was like, okay, we, we can, we can do this. Well, I'm like, I took the approach of, I'm not going to think too hard about it. I'm just going to read and enjoy. And I did. So I, I'm, I'm happy for that. Fantastic. For uh, First of all, I, I tapped out of the thing after the first one. Because Good for like, you. Nope. Save your money. Nope, not doing it. I'm already hate reading enough books. I'm not throwing this one into the mix. Fantastic for a life story. I, I didn't hate it the way you did. I I put it in his own separate little universe and said, hmm, this would be, it, it's an interesting perspective. It's not the story. It's not canon. It's not the story. Well, I mean, some of the events are canon, but it's not the story that we should all link our knowledge of the Fantastic Four to, but let's see what Mark Russell has to say about some of the more in-depth emotional impacts of, because I think that's really where he was writing the story. He wasn't necessarily writing the story to have a, a conclusion, a, a wham bam conclusion. I think he was writing the story to say, here's the emotional toll that being a part of this family takes on, on a family over decades. Um, and here's where it could probably end up. You know, if things if you know, if we focus so much on this and not on that, so I, 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 I appreciated that through line. Again, I didn't read it from the perspective of, okay, I'm going to, this is going to augment my, my knowledge of the, FF, of the FF or, or this is canon, but rather, hmm, let's dig a little deeper. Cause that's what Mark Russell does. It's just, he's very much a slice of life mixed with a, a moral lesson type guy. That's just what he does in everything that I've read of Mark Russell. He, he's, he's giving you a story that has a, a meaning behind it that you don't anticipate, but will come up and, and sort of smack you. So he did it again here. So not as much humor as he tends to do, but the the result is the same. So I didn't hate it. I didn't, it, you know, it wasn't some long issues, but um, you know, it was what it was. It was good though. I, I mean, it was good for what it was. I don't know. I uh, hate, I dislike, <laughs> you know, hate, <laughs> The thing is, for me, in a year we'd want to celebrate in the same way DC didn't do the greatest job with Wonder Woman's 80th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Some years back, there was a book called Fantastic Four, The End. It was six issues by Alan Davis that gave you lots of emotional moments. The Fantastic Four have broken up. Sue has left because Reed has not done the right thing. And in a battle with Dr. Doom, Franklin and Val are gone. And you got to put things together. But what you end up with, spoiler alert, is a much sunnier ending at the end of the day. So after everything's gone wrong, there's still, there's a cost to be paid and people have to make amends and do the right thing in a lot of different ways. And that book takes into six issues and reprinted as a trade, just recently came back out, where you have the depths of despair to the height of elation and get to have all of it. And here we end on a note that I, I I assume he wants to be thought of as positive, but is really awfully sad. Which isn't to say that a real life story should, couldn't end up in that way. But if we're going to try to celebrate the characters that began the Marvel universe, is that the way we, we celebrate them? That's my point. I think. No, I, I definitely get that. I, I, I 
I would be hard pressed to believe that he wanted this to end on a positive note because it, it was, it was an acceptable, you know, ending in the sense that it, you're not going to walk away from this all warm and fuzzy. I just don't think you can, not with as much loss and sacrifice. The whole thing was like a loss and sacrifice. Every, you know, loss, sacrifice, and taking for granted. You know, those lessons were were spattered all throughout, you know, every issue. And that was a whole objective. It's by the time you realize, I thought that recording for Franklin was very touching. Um, yeah, you know, oh, that, there that's lovely of, moments like that. And again, yeah. the, the last, with, without spoiling it, I could actually read the last couple of captions. Uh, and it's Sue, in the end, time destroys us all, and yet it leaves us so much greater. But those words yeah. are overlaid on a panel, a, a page of artwork that makes you want to bawl your eyes out. Yeah. So it, it's a great piece of dramatics. I, I'd like there to be, uh, maybe you can't have a happy ending, but you can have something that would be more celebratory. Yeah. I see your point. Yeah. The Fury thing, I think, happened either in a backup to Fantastic Four 25 or Empire. Oh. And one of the okay. Empire. I, go I was thinking it was an Empire. I think yeah. it was Empire because I remember them trying to figure out where they got their weapons from, and those weapons predate everything, and blah 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 blah. And that's I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I think you're, I think you're right. Yep. I scrolled back through my comicsology. <laughs> it was just bugging me because I'm like, I've seen this. I, where did this happen? I know I've, I've I read this issue. I read this this happening, and he's like, blip, comes right out of his eyeball. I'm like, well, that's different. <laughs> and the thing is, it looks like this the reckoning war itself will be sort of self contained. That famous last words, Bob. Well, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're three or four issues of Fantastic Four, I guess, and they're going to speed up the publication a little bit and we'll have the trial of the watcher but you gotta remember that there's a whole other event happening in a month or so right mm-hmm. we gotta get out of the way for that yeah all right well <laughs> how do you guys feel about news, news. breaking news or is it breaking news <laughs> that wasn't Mortal Kombat. That so was. No, it wasn't. It was the Twilight Zone. No, it. it wasn't. <laughs> no way. The Twilight, the Twilight Zone. You're going. Mortal Kombat. I was going to say, am I at a rave? What's happening? Let's go. This is the Twilight Zone. Anyway, what? He's doing the Manhattan for the Twilight Tone. It's a whole different song, Steve. Let's get through these news yes. stories because there's a bunch of them and we have an email that we want to share right. or at least a portion of an email that we want to share. Right. And this show has been going on for quite a while. Feels like. Yes. Yes. Uh, let's go with the biggest, baddest, most dangerous news okay. on the feeds. Savage Avengers. Oof. Number one, the Avengers are returning. And oh, Ringo Award-winning writer David Pepos. I'm sorry, you of mean Spencer and Locke talking and comics breakout <laughs> right out nominee David Pepos. So we've known about this since the last time David was on this show. <laughs> Spoiler alert, which was a while ago. Spoiler alert. Uh, this is incredible. 
um, alongside superstar artist uh, Car- Carlos Man- uh, Magno, uh, Kang the Conqueror, Robocop, Dead or Alive. This is a new Savage Avengers team. Uh, let me see if I could find who's on this thing. Okay, so this is Conan. Uh, Conan with Daredevil, the Elektra version. Anti-Venom, Black Knight, Cloak and Dagger, and Weapon X. Together, they'll fight their way through the Hyborian Age with an evil Deathlock hot on their trail. Right? <laughs> Why? Of course. This sounds nuts. I, I have a friend who's a very big Savage Avengers fan, and when presented this information was definitely re-upping his subscription. Yeah, this sounds... Okay. Since his exile from the Hyborian Age, Conan uh, the Barbarian has conquered the most dangerous foes the modern Marvel Universe has to offer. But what happens when this hard-edged uh, Cimmerian finds himself on the run from the cybernetic soldier of the future known as Deathlock. Outgunned and outmatched, Conan must turn to the unlikely group of loners, berserkers, and killers if he hopes to survive the night. But can these savage Avengers defy Deathlock's murderous manhunt? Or will they become the next targets in the crosshairs of tomorrow? I Like, pre-order this for me, please. I... Don't know that I've ever read a Savage Avengers in my life, but I'm about to start because this sounds great. Agreed. I love this. Yeah, it's a, it's a great mix this. of characters, and Deathlock is always fun. Always. Great cover. Hulk Vereen yes. going on <laughs> over here. This is wild. Um, little thing from from David. David uh, found a an old X Men script that he wrote, I believe, when he was still in school like all the way back in the day. And even when he was doing like what it was essentially X-Men fanfic, uh, he cast Cloak and Dagger in that story. So talk about like dreams coming true and things coming full circle. Um, We're very, very excited for him. And it's, yeah, uh, it's really cool to know that like he's still doing his independent work, but that he's going to be, playing in the Marvel universe. Uh, they are lucky to have him. He's a, he's a tremendous talent and uh, really looking forward to this. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's move on. This is a, this is a bit of a, a weird one, I guess. Uh, Dakota Johnson is in talks to play the title character in Madam Web. The Sony spinoff centered on the Spider-Man character. Yep. Well, here's sure. the, here's the thing. Madam Web, as first put on the page, was about Aunt May's age, except yeah. she was probably thousands of years old. Yeah. But at old some, blind. Right. At yeah, some blind, point, blind. Madam Web and Spider Woman Julia Carpenter exchanged places. So the fact that we have a youngish. Madam Web, I think we're going Spider Woman here, and it'll it was be Julia Carpenter sometime around Spider Island. Yes, yeah. way back when. I no, I actually hope it's the old version. <laughs> I oh, hope Dakota really? Johnson is like. I hope Dakota Johnson is like. I will only do this if I get to wear the blindfold and That's sit exactly in the chair and never move ever, and never move <laughs> ever. I'll believe it when I see it. Just like we're still going to get that Felicity Jones Black Cat movie. and Oh, no, that was canceled. Sable in Black and all yeah. those things. You know, I, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. That's what I'll say. Yeah. I, 
I I don't know what this is. I don't know. I mean, obviously, they're going to reinvent her. Although I do think it would be interesting to do Joey's version and just she's connected to all the other Spider People. She's a great character. This this is not moving the needle. Like it's like oh, we're doing we're doing Madam Web with Dakota Johnson. Like that isn't Sony has this stable of characters that they're just throwing at the wall and hoping some Morbius literally April fool's day. Aaron, <laughs> even the hunter Aaron Taylor Johnson playing Craven the hunter. Cool. Until I see it. I, I I'll believe it then. And oh, even God. when I see it, like the Morbius trailer, I I'm still not going to believe it until that movie actually drops because it's like, it's, it's, I've said it every time a Spider-Man movie has come out. Every time a Spider-Man movie comes out and they make a billion dollars, Sony is like, we've cracked the formula. We've cracked it and we can do it on our own. No, you can't. Actually, I, I think their approach is really just oh. to go like WTF. You know, that's that's what they want. I mean, other other studios are like, they're trying to get you to go, oh my God, I can't wait to see that. And I swear, like the running theme with these Sony movies has been, what the hell? What? Do yeah. it followed by do we need this movie? The movie they um, should make is honestly, and it's just a rumor and it'll probably never happen. You do Spider Gwen and do Emma Stone. That yeah. will make a billion dollars. But also, like so, is, is Madam Web just like but Madam's Web's thing, and this is why it like makes zero sense to me. <laughs> Madam Web's thing is just precog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like she she just like knows things that are gonna happen. Like I, I don't understand what that is in a movie. Isn't she like connected to the web of life or whatever yes, that she is? is. Yes. So maybe, maybe yeah. she's going to do the Dion Warwick maybe. psychic hotline. Yeah, but it's Minority Report. Which it's Minority is, Report, yes. Which yes. is cool as hell, but also I hope it's the old version. I hope it's old Dakota Johnson <laughs> doing Minority Report. That's what well, I want from a chair. Here, let me, let, me, let, me, let me wet your whistle a little bit with some more information. We got S.J. Clarkson. Uh, she is directing this film. She has directed episodes of The Defenders, Jessica Jones, Succession, Collateral, Love Nina, Ooh. whole bunch of whole bunch of television yep. uh, work. Life on Mars, East Enders, Causality, Doctors. All who that wrote stuff. it? Who wrote it? Okay, here's the, here's here's the, the part what where I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, it's the same team that, and we haven't seen it yet. Morbius. We haven't seen it yet. Morbius. I will reserve my judgment until I've seen it. It is the same team that wrote Morbius. Oh, <laughs> but that's what I'm They're saying. They're keeping this one in house. That's what I'm saying. Like they they want us to buy in, but here's the thing: there's nothing to buy into. That's the yeah. thing, though, There's man. No there you there. say that, you say that, but the money, the money that these movies have made. Look at the no, money that what? Spider-Man has Spider-Man, made. Venom. Spider-Man is its own thing. Spider-Man has always been its own thing. Venom, dude. Venom is Venom. Venom, like Venom, Venom put in work. Venom they put made in work. Money. But that's because actually people like Venom. Venom no one knows has, Madam Web, but Joey and I. Yes. Venom. <laughs> 
Venom had this huge, like, 90s comics fans have a hard-on for Venom. <laughs> oh, like, man, but yes. And I don't, I've never understood it, but I get it. Like, and, and I think the movies captured that spirit. Like, those old, like, McFarlane covers with the big, like, tongue, eh, you know, like, that whole thing. <laughs> like, the, the movies <laughs> captured that spirit, even though they kind of transformed the character a little bit. But, like, I don't think the Venom crowd is, like, let me go check out Madam Web. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Craven, I think, is a little bit different. And once I, if we, if that movie actually gets made, and if that movie is actually like marketed and looks good, I think that might move the needle a little bit. But in the same way that, like, yeah, we're gonna do a Sinister Six movie. Like, why? Why? And the other thing about Spider Man raking in billions of dollars. There's a reason why they didn't make Amazing Spider-Man 3. And it wasn't yep. until Marvel did, well, came on and they did this whole other thing that, we'll that see. Really did what it did. We'll see. Tom Tom Holland might drunk dial the powers no. that be we talked and about get it. his boy. We talked about it when we did the review. Tom Holland Spider-Man is out of the MCU. It's literally in the it's in the movie, right? Everyone forgot who Peter Parker was, you know? Um, I think that that whole version is gone. And that was Sony and Marvel being like, thanks, this was great. And uh, we will, Sony, you could take your, you take your boy and do whatever you want. We got her from here. Yeah. We'll see. Marvel doesn't need Spider-Man. Yeah. The uh, the MCU rather. Uh, Aaron, you got anything for me on Madam Web before we move on? Nothing. All right. Moving right along, then. Is everybody had got the Madam Web out of their systems? Yeah. If it is blind old Madam Web, though, I'll be front row. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, this is just uh, a really quick story. This is coming from Deadline, following up on uh, something that we talked with Z Chun about a little while ago. The uh, TKO properties are getting snagged left and right for adaptations. Love it. And uh, Roxanne Gay's The Banks is uh, being adapted for a TV series for New Regency, which is just awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, looking for – oh, it's a pretty long description. I won't read all of this. Um, yeah, of, of – like I, I read a bunch of the TKO novels. Uh, I remember The Banks being really good. And, and that was the one that I think that while I was reading it – I said to myself, I want to see this on some kind of screen. Like this, I think would translate really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. This is cool. This It's cool to have something official. Cause I know that this was floating around for a little while and it looks like there's some really cool talent uh, associated with this thing. And I think Roxanne is actually going to be uh, on the ground floor for this. That's uh, Ming Doyle as well. That's, that's doubly great. Oh, Gay is set to pen the adaptation. Beautiful. Fantastic. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm now I'm doubly interested. Kudos to Roxanne Gay for just like being like, I write in whatever field I want. Yeah. It's like NK. This it's is, like NK Jemison. This is great. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to scan the story for say, any more when, highlights. When you hear some of the major directors in air quotes who'll complain that comic book movies and televisions are ruining everything. Well, comic books are not this monolithic thing that is only superheroes. There's stuff like this. 
We have different things we can do with different angles, even if they're the same general theme, it's something different. And so right. back off you know, a little bit. Side note, I also love that. Oh, go ahead, Aaron. I was going to say, I watched Road to Perdition this weekend, and I was just like, wow, that was something that was like a little bit. But that was a comic, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Was Road to Perdition, comic. History of Violence, yeah. all comics. Yeah. yeah. I was like, see there, that's what I'm talking Men about. Men in Black. <laughs> yeah. But that was Teenage a, Mutant Ninja Turtles. Turtles. <laughs> that was the before times, before they would willingly admit in public that they were based on comics. Absolutely yeah. true. And now everything is. I also love. Well, now this. everything is a graphic novel. Yeah, well, that's a, a whole other thing. Roxanne Gay, Eve Ewing, N.K. Jemisin, this triumvirate of black women being like, I will write in whatever field I want comics, mm-hmm. nonfiction, yeah. journalism, whatever. I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. And killing all um, of them. Yeah. Yeah, and for for people who aren't familiar with The Banks, I found a little blurb here. Uh, It's a crime thriller, first and foremost. The Banks focuses on uh, the women of the family drama, Steve. (laughs) Yeah, uh, The Banks uh, focuses on the women of the Banks family who are the most successful thieves in Chicago. During the heist of a lifetime, they must band together to avenge a loved one taken too soon. Mm. So. Yeah, with uh, with Roxanne Gay writing the the treatment and script, I am down. I mean, I already was, but now I'm extra excited. That's very cool. All right, moving right along. Daniel Warren Johnson is doing a very special kind of Justice League <laughs> book called Jurassic League. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bat sore. Batman and all of his friends. Wonder Woman is a Triceratops. What is going on? Um, I mean, yes, please. <laughs> End of story. Enough said. Let's see. In the world of Jurassic League, <laughs> Superman was still sent to Earth on a rocket ship from a dying planet. Uh, and he was still raised by humans. It's just that he's also a man-shaped Brachiosaurus. <laughs> Batman, rather Batsor, Gideon clarifies, oh, for Polygon, uh, is an Allosaurus, and Wonder Woman is a Triceratops, the Joker is a Dilophosaurus. Oh my god, give it to me now. This looks absolutely stupid. It looks, I know that it's the right kind of stupid. In the best possible way, and it is also very 1960s, where they did all this crazy stuff, so yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah. It's it's a six-parter. There's Flash Raptor, <laughs> Wonder Dawn, come on. I wanted each dino to be recognized immediately as the hero they represent. <laughs> if anyone saw them and thought, which character is this supposed to be, it would be my well, failure. Oh, my God. Of the Tiara. I mean, please. How do you yeah, go um, from Wonder Woman Dead Winter, or whatever the heck that book was called, to Jurassic League? Oh, Dead World. Dead World, or whatever. Yeah, when it was like Wonder Woman is like, just that was the that was one of the darkest books I've ever read. She's the only person left. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. And they were like, okay, what do you want to do next? And he was like, listen, hear me out. <laughs> yeah, the, the the artwork for this is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Did he it looks do it? So good. No, I did. I think Daniel Warren Johnson Wrote only it. did. Uh, he's yeah. writing it and oh, did the cover. Fascinating. But the interior art is phenomenal Who did it's it? from uh here we go uh juan juan gideon okay i mean this is this like i i didn't scroll down before but i just did now here i'll put something in the chat this is 
This is serious. Amazing. Cool. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, there. Yeah, here. I'm going to put this in the chat. So everybody listening to this podcast can see it. All right. <laughs> Let's move on. This looks awesome. Uh, Aaron, where do you where do you stand on uh, Jurassic League? Are you are you going to join me on this adventure? No, I'm going to wait for you to let me know how it is. <laughs> oh, come on! Look, Aaron was like, I read Justice League Endless Winter, and now I'm done with Justice League. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, they let's do that. Kind of story. What was it? The the force wall. What is it? The source wall. Source wall. Source wall. Yeah. Jurassic League is a source wall. I'm. Wow, I'm flipping a table. <laughs> All right, I threw this one in here for for oh, Bob. Boy. I had. I don't want to. But go I had ahead. to write the story. I wrote the story for this for Joe Blow, and I immediately thought of you for obvious reasons. Uh, Jeffrey Rush is going to be playing Groucho Marx. In Oren Moverman's uh, Raised Eyebrows. So they're adapting. This was originally supposed to be directed by Rob Zombie. Yeah, but I don't think this is the movie Rob Zombie might have been making. But go ahead. You go ahead and I'll, I'll I would think not. I mean, I, that's pretty much okay. all I've got. Well, it's, Rob Zombie so, is I mean, obviously can... a huge Marx Brothers fan because his characters and things like Devil's Rejects. Captain Spaulding is Groucho's character from Animal Crackers. His theme song was a song called Hooray for Captain Spaulding. Hooray for Captain Spaulding, the African explorer. Did someone call me Schnorr? Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I think Zombie was going to do a Marx Brothers movie. Their history. Yeah. Raised Eyebrows is a book written by a guy named Steve Soliar who lived in Groucho's house while that woman, Erin Fleming, was abusing the living daylights out of him and stealing his money and shutting off his children and forcing him to perform when he probably shouldn't. So this could, this huh. could stand to be a very sad movie that, uh, unless handled properly, unless there are some flashbacks, it's going to be pretty downcast. It's about an 80-year-old Groucho Marx. Right. And yeah. that's, that's not going to be very funny, or much of anything, because his at a certain point, this woman who he hired as an assistant took over his household and abused right. him physically, mentally, drugged him, got yeah. him a second act in the sense that he performed again when he hadn't for years. And it, it, they when the movie Animal Crackers, which had been a legal problem over who owned the words and who owned the pictures, uh, Universal decided to pay up a few thousand dollars and redo it, led to Groucho playing Carnegie Hall and doing a lot of things. And that was lovely. And he'd go home and she'd beat him. Wow. She had his will rewritten so that his kids were left next to nothing. And if they dared to challenge the will, they'd get a dollar. Whoa. They took him, they took her to court. And and that was including the Bank of America who was involved. And they all won. And they, she ended up living in a dumpster. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a terribly sad story on all fronts. So, yes, I'm a Marx Brothers fan of the highest order, and I will I will go see this. But I'm this is not I I, as crazy as it sounded, rather see the Rob Zombie version of this. (laughs) Because I think he'd he'd have done justice to the Marx Brothers as an entity and Groucho particularly 
but this this stands to be a really downcast movie, as opposed to the lovely Stan and Ollie that was just out with John C. Yeah. Riley and and um, oh, why am I drawing a blank on Steve Coogan? Steve Coogan. It was it was wonderful. Yeah, it was sad and aggravating here and there as you watch them fall apart a little bit. But at the end of it, it was it was brilliantly done. And the Marx Brothers could stand to have that happen. I, if they're doing this book, as someone who read that book when it came out, uh, not a happy time. You know, it's funny that um, that tone and, and all that stuff that you just said, like some of that is in this deadline article, but it certainly doesn't capture the mood that you're describing. I, uh, I had no idea that this was going to be going to such a dour place. I thought this was like a, a cool little like, hey, Bob, they're making a What's Marx the- Brothers movie. But then, then it turns out to be this like depressing. Should have done your research, Steve. <laughs> That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. I can't do it all, Joey. I can't do it all. All right. There's another story here. Joey's been waiting for this one all night. Uh-huh. 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 Why are you making me do this? No, I just want to. I just. I just want to hear it. <laughs> Why? Who wants to hear these names? <laughs> you. You. You consistently say, you know, I'm really bad with names. So I wanted to give you the opportunity here to, to like, you know, really like redeem yourself. Here. Okay. Okay. So you're gonna. <laughs> all right. You're gonna. You're gonna tell. You're gonna tell me. You're gonna tell me for each one. No. 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 I don't. I, I don't have it open. All right. Michelle Yeoh. Perfect. Is joining the cast of American Born Chinese. Yes. Yeah. For Disney Plus. I believe this is a live action joint. So do with that what you will. Uh, She's joining a cast of many, upon which I will now read their names. Yes. Because Joey wants me to read the names to see if I can pronounce them. You're going to say Michelle and them. Okay. We all know the police are coming. I know the the word police are coming to get me. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, of course, we've already said Ben Wang. Is that all right, Joey? I'm I'm not going to police you here. Just say the names. Oh, you're policing. It might be Wong, but okay. No. Um, We've got, uh, like I said, Ben Wang. We've got uh, Yo Yan Yan, Chin Han, Jim Liu, Sydney Taylor. Daniel Wu and Kehoi Chuan. I believe it's Sydney Taylor. Sydney Taylor is hilarious. Oh, you're so funny. Terrible as the one. How'd you get to be so funny? You you buried the lead. Uh, Chuan is short round, bro. <laughs> oh, I know that. Goonies. And, and Daniel Wu. Daniel Wu. Oh, I loved Into the Badlands, oh so I'm so excited that Daniel Wu is in this. Sure. Yeah, that's great. Oh, How did wow. I do? You did great. Sounded great. Yeah. All right. Yeah. See? Yeah, it is Sidney Taylor, though. Money well spent. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah, man. Uh, there's no like release date scheduled though, so I'm really upset about that. But you know, no, it's. It, I mean, but I mean, it's it's fully cast, which is great. It's already in pre-production. Justin Daniel Cretton's doing it. Yeah. Ooh. Gene Luen Yang's, I think, has got his hands on it too. So yep. Daniel Wu is going to be playing the Monkey King. Sun Wukong. It's all the Monkey King all night. It's he's great. Yep. Uh, Kehoi uh, Chuan is going to be playing Freddy 
Freddie Wong. Yeah. And um, yeah. I, I Looking at the cast list, they're definitely, this is why I also think it's a live action piece because it seems like they are expanding out the story a little bit and, and like um, flushing out some of those secondary characters in ABC. Um, I love American Born Chinese. It's one of my favorite graphic novels of all time. Um, and uh, I'm really eager to see, just see anything from this, especially now with this really remarkable cast uh, lined up too. Awesome. All right, let's hit this last story and then this uh, this email real quick because this podcast is going to end up being like two hours and 45 minutes. No. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at the clock right now. Yeah, man. Um, Milestone Initiative announced. Aaron, would you care to uh, to take this one? Sure, why not? All right, All right. so I'm just going to sort of cut to the chase here. Um, I can read a little bit from the site. Basically, it says in October at DC Fandom, they put out a call to creators to join the uh, Milestone Initiatives where they were looking to uh, get some emerging black uh, and diverse creators with a passion for comics and a drive to tell stories that need to be heard. The response amazed them, blah, blah, blah. They received hundreds of submissions all across the United States and Canada, and now they are announcing or will be announcing who is going to be a part of that initiative. Um, essentially, there's a few things that happen. Um, they're going to go to this summit in Burbank, uh, and then it's it's sort of a, the gift that keeps on giving, I guess, from that perspective. We're going to go to this summit in Burbank where they're going to get sort of like the, a kickoff, if you want to you know, look at it that way, where they're going to be able to meet with some, some creators, editors, executives, all that stuff, people in the entertainment industry. Um, and then they're going to identify sort of mentors and sort of be working you know, with these mentors over, um, I guess, a short period there. And then they're going to go back and have a virtual sort of a, a, a class coursework uh, for, uh, I believe, eight weeks or so. And they're going to learn a couple of things, basically how to hone their creative skills and then also some of the business sides of things, um, you know, as, so that they can eventually, I think, work their way into um, actually creating some work for DC. Um, I think this is a good thing, to be honest, because this, this kind of reminds me of the conversations that we were having in the past about when will it be time for the unknown creators to become the creators that are breaking out? Um, and I think this is a really good opportunity for that to happen. Let's see where it goes. I want to have the best I want to think the best of what's going to happen here. We'll see where it goes. I hope I hope that we I hope it's not too long before we get to see some of the outcomes of this, but I do appreciate that they are giving them the opportunity to have all the skills um, and, and exposure to all the things that you need to understand. Not only that comics is a creative field, but also it's a business um, and to be able to exist in there, especially if you're someone who wants to make a living in this industry, because it's not something that is super lucrative. Not everyone's going to be a Brian K. Vaughn or a Mark Millar or, or, or walking dead guy, uh, Kirkman. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, that guy, that guy. Uh, so, you know, I think it's an interesting little thing they're doing here. So let's see where it goes. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Um, and I'm glad it's happening under the milestone uh, moniker. So there you have it. I saw in the comic store the other day, um, I did go in there. I just didn't stay long. Uh, I saw in the window, they had a milestone compendium that was like as thick as a phone book. Mm. And it was all the old milestone stuff mm. sandwiched into one thing. It looked pretty cool. I thought of you immediately when I saw it. It would be interesting. I, You know what? 
I have to say, I didn't know how long it was going to take for them to do that, but I do believe that DC Infinite Universe has all of that stuff out there. I think if I got that, I would not be opposed to it. It would be a great little uh, placeholder on my uh, bookshelf, a little, uh, a little something to say I have a copy of it because I think that I think those stories are all amazing. Hmm. Well, maybe when someone's birthday is coming up. <laughs> I've had 51 of them, so you can pick any one that you didn't, you didn't participate in. <laughs> <laughs> you could just buy it for me and send it to me. Pick any one. We can backdate it. Awesome. All right. Um, I think that it uh, – obviously, there's some stuff going on in the news with Action Lab. Um, we are monitoring that story and kind of waiting to see how things shake out. Because like we've said in the past, we have a couple of friends with some skin in that game. And uh, we are going to keep our opinions to ourselves for the time being uh, until we see how how some of those people are, or not some of them, but all of them are taken care of. Uh, TikTok, Action Lab, remove. Joey, why don't you tell me what you did? We got this incredible email from one of our listeners. Uh, very in-depth about Substack, and Joey has pulled some highlights for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is from Christoph in Austria. Thanks for your email. Uh, yeah, he says that, you know, we've been talking so much about Substack and really expressing our, what's the word for it? Um, Disdain. Confusion, <laughs> I was going to say, about about how Substack actually has panned out for, you know, many of the comics creators that we've been following. Um, we just talked about it so much. And he actually sent an email and was like, hey, you asked about Substack and I subscribed to four creators. Um, and he kind of put that cap on himself. He says in the email, you know, he was like, so many people are announcing, but I'm going to choose four and see how it goes. So he chose um, Tynan, Hickman, Zadarsky, and Snyder. I'm not going to go too much into each of those, but like he has some pretty um, – he has some really great kind of reviews of each of those contents, but you know, he, he, he took some of like our questions that we asked and uh, he gave answers to them, which I thought was really helpful. So I'll just kind of focus on that part here. Um, he said that first of all, the Substack stuff, he, the problems with the platform that we've talked about on the show, he didn't really know about when, you know, he, he chose to follow these creators. Um, but he feels that, you know, it's important to know those things and something to think about as you are uh, subscribing to these people. Um, but he said, you know, the creators that he subscribed to were people that he already enjoyed and he wanted to follow and see what they had to offer. Um, and here creators are, that he trusts creators too. that he trusts yeah. too. So here, here were the questions that he kind of like, heard us asking and the answers that he gave. So we kept asking, okay, so what sort of content does he get? And he says that the four that he, he gets, you know, he gets things like newsletters, comics, behind the scenes stuff, which he's really enjoyed the most kind of like the process and like the scripting and all the kind of like meat and potatoes. Like he uses the expression, how the sausage gets made, which is an expression I <laughs> your favorite, which is yeah. an expression I hate. But he says that that's actually one of the things that he loves about like the Hickman page because the Hickman page, like Hickman, just obviously his work is so complex and complicated. So just getting that behind the scenes information almost makes that subscription worth it, just alone without any of the kind of additional stuff that comes with it. That's um, cool. 
in terms of format and distribution, he said when it first started, he was pretty much just getting like images and PDFs. And he was a little upset by that. But now that we're a few months in, he's starting to get like those kind of more app specific things like the CBZs and like the, he calls it the panels app. So really kind of much more um, comic specific platforms to read comics on that it's starting to upgrade to that. Um, he, and this is the really interesting thing. And this is what John and I were talking about when Substack announced they were working with comics. He says, to be honest, I was um, not that concerned about the format and how I would get my content. It's primarily a newsletter distribution system. So at least he would be getting everything in his inbox, right? That's what Substack is and was, right? It was journalists who would send out, push out newsletters. So it's not that big of a stretch to just be like, okay, now comics creators are going to push out newsletters and files of books. Right. So, um, he says, he says he doesn't regret that content, especially as the creators themselves are figuring it out. Um, he has an immense amount of patience I get from this email. Um, he goes into who I should subscribe to, um, because a lot of these subscriptions were for extended periods of time. So that's why he kind of put that cap at four, which I think he doesn't really talk about it, but my guess, just like we were talking about on the show is a lot of subscriptions add up. Um, so he put that cap for himself at four. Um, yeah. I mean, even if you're throwing down, yeah. let's say like an average of $7 to $10 per creator, yeah. Yeah. you're almost spending 40 bucks a month. He does say he's like, damn it. They announced Lemire too late. And he's kind of upset at the rollout <laughs> process of the Substack announcements because he was like, they rolled out the announcements over a few weeks and I subscribed early and then missed the later announcements. So, Ooh. and he does say this a little bit later in the email too, that like now that we're, five, six months in or maybe four months in there's kind of two things to that. One is I think the creators have a stronger sense of how to use the platform, but also two is you've missed the beginnings of some things. And especially with things like the newsletters and those behind the scenes things and some of the books that have been released, it, it's actually kind of, He's actually concerned as to, uh, to like new subscribers' abilities to catch up, which is very interesting to think about. But oh. um, and the last thing, he, the last question that he answered for us is: Was there is there some kind of advertising? And he said no. <laughs> he said there's no ads. There's nothing on Twitter or other comic centric platform. The only advertising I see is in the newsletters themselves, which can That's be effective wild. if you know your creator of choice offers a free newsletter to begin with. But besides that, I never see any advertising whatsoever. And I think it's up to the creators to advertise for their channels, which would explain why there is none to speak of. So there you go. I mean, I can understand that. I just also think that that's, for me, disappointing because yeah. for as much information as Christoph was kind enough to give us, I still feel like I don't know what this is. Well, and the only way that I'm going to find out is if I buy into it. So she goes through the four that he did, and I'm not going to go into it too much detail, but you know, he says the one that he freaking loves is Tynan. Like Tynan, he says, I don't know how to how he does it, but he might be the creator with the highest word count right now in comics. There's several ongoing series from publishers as well as a ton of Substack first comics and content as well. He gives three things a week. On Mondays, he sends out his newsletter 
with information about upcoming comics, about things he's working on, etc. On Wednesday, he gives behind the scenes information, talks about his writing process and other stuff. And then Friday, he sends out finished pages or exclusive content relating to his publisher work. So like three days a week, you're getting contact content from tiny onion or whatever his publishing is like a, like him like of his stuff behind the scenes process new material content a lot and it's fun and yeah. it's great hickman he says is similar right not a lot of like comics material but a ton of like behind the scenes work um like background on all the crazy stuff that's going on in all of his books so he says that that is totally worth it too he likes Zdarsky and snyder i <laughs> I'm not going to get into his Snyder thing, but you know, maybe, maybe Brian Michael Bendis's reaction in crossover number 10 is an indication as to Snyder. But anyway, <laughs> like, you know, but he says overall, and this will be the last thing overall, I'm glad I tried it. As I said, it's a whole new way of consuming comics and getting new original content from creators you love, especially if you decided to be there from the beginning. However, one question remains, should you try it for yourself? I don't know. Substack is first and foremost, a newsletter distribution system and mm. comics focus is serialized storytelling. So if you decided to be there from the beginning, you don't have a problem because you have mostly read everything the creators send out. If you subscribe now, it's an entirely different story, especially for Hickman and Tynan who send out so much stuff. So like you're almost behind now. So do do you get that back matter though? Yes, you would have to like go in and like check out his newsletters from the beginning. Right. Well, I mean, at least it's there. I just my thing is like I don't know that I necessarily have any interest in that stuff. Yeah. You know, like it's, I think that stuff is sometimes can be very fascinating. And if you're an aspiring comic book writer or, or anything of the sort, I'm sure that that stuff could be probably invaluable yeah. in informing you as, as to how to go about creating your own stuff. Um, I just like for, for the purposes of this show and my preferences for reading, yeah. like just, just give me the comic, just yeah. give me the book. Yeah. Let me read it. He like, says, let's go. He said like, it, here's who it's for. And it's exactly what you said. If you like one or some of the creators there, I can recommend it very much. You get to experience their creative output firsthand without a big publisher looking over their shoulders and you get wonderful content in regards to that process. But if you're not in, if you're like, if that's not something you're interested in, then yeah. I mean, I guess why like you're spending your money on the books when they come out down the line, you know, and that's really the difference here, but he seems to enjoy it. And I, again, it's a long email. It's awesome. Thank you, Christoph, for sending it. It's really helpful for us because, you know, not like we have so many questions, but none of us are on it. So like we don't have it. And like, like none of like our direct, like our direct people are on it either. So it's like, it's hard to know. So I appreciate this email a lot. I'll tell you this because the, the one thing I, I, I won't ever judge this thing completely and say that it's not for me entirely because one thing that I've been very, very wrong about for years. I mean, one of the things that we've been saying a lot on the show throughout the years, and for to a degree, it's been true, and especially within the realm of comics that we deal with on the show. But when it comes to like representation, both in characters and creators and inclusivity, um, having my eyes open to the Webtoon app mm-hmm. has been tremendous because I swear, like, that is a probably about a 60-40 split uh, on the positive side of there being like major queer content and just all different walks of life creating comics over on that app. And 
you know, get it, getting to read a portion of at least sample it for free and then maybe buy the coins and move forward and whatever. But for all the years and all the times that we've said that, like, you know, oh, we're getting there. Oh, we're getting there. Webtoon has been around for a long time and has its own audience yeah. of thousands upon thousands. Yep. And it's amazing what they're doing over there for for uh, representation in, in comics and stuff. Well, I mean, like a lot of these, like Tumblr, when Tumblr was big and doing the comic strip stuff, like mm-hmm. it was the same thing. That's where that's where these communities flock to. The difference with Substack, and we've talked about on the show, is the community that's tending to flock to Substack outside of the comics creators who we know and love is a different, little different, a little different mm-hmm. in terms of who's who's moving over to Substack. So. That's why I think Substack is a very interesting animal to think about. Um, yeah, yeah. Still don't get it, but I'm I'm glad that Kristoff uh, is having a good time and doing doing the good work yes. to, to to tell us a little bit about their experience. Deep dive. Yeah, appreciate it, and uh, I'm definitely going to go through that email with a fine tooth comb on my own time because mm-hmm. uh, I'd be curious to see what some of the reviews are for each individual. Substack. I know a couple of creators that I would love to go and follow onto there, but man, I've, if anything, I'm looking to get rid of some of my subscription services, not at anymore. Sure. All right. Uh, man, poof. I think that's going to do it. Let's do it. This is a long one. Uh, does, before I, I ramble off a few things, does anybody have any closing statements or anything that they want to share? Yes, actually. Uh, and then we'll round out. We'll round back to uh, to books. I almost forgot about what we're picking up. There we go. Um, but go ahead, Bob. Sure. Uh, this Thursday, I will be recording with our old friend Stephanie Cook and Whitney Gardner, <gasps> who did Long Distance. They're doing the Caper Cast. <gasps> yes. And so I'll be there for their Valentine's Day edition, where we review the movie Charade with Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn. Oh, I'll watch oh, it. That's cute. That's awesome. Yay. Um, Stephanie has a uh, Archie story in the Archie Valentine's issue. Archie love and heartbreak, yes. That is so cool. That is so cool. Good for her. All right. Um, Yeah, before I I ramble on a little bit, uh, what are we looking forward to this week? Aaron, what are you picking up? So uh, Justice League 2022 annual. I'm realizing that I'm not really big on annuals a lot lately, but why not? I'll get this one. Uh, New Mutants 24 because Joey won't stop talking about it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El because, well, because. Uh, Batgirls, was it three? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the Secret X-Men, number one. Seven Secrets, number 14. Hardware, number four. And The Last Flight Out, number four. Mm. Right on. Uh, Bob, what are you getting? Well, Archie, Love and Heartbreak, certainly. Hawkeye, number four. Batgirls number three, Harley Quinn number six, the final, even though Joey read it two months ago, and I'll hate read Batman Catwoman number 10. <laughs> You're almost there. You're almost done. <laughs> almost. I got to finish. Joey, how about you? Uh, a lot of what's already been said, but I'll just add um, Monkey Meat number two. Yeah. The deaths and lives of Wolverine still trucking along, and, and it's, it's Benjamin Percy doing a pretty good job with that one, so I'll check that out. Um, Steve, you know there's a third volume of Faithless coming out this week? It's on my list. Nice. And uh, I might get DC the the strange love adventures. You know, I'm, I'm in a mood. We'll see how it goes. Nice. Um, I've also got Batgirls, Detective 1052, uh, Harley Quinn, Eat, Bang, Kill, number six, 
I am Batman number six, Superman, son of Kal-El number eight. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 88 dot bay. I don't know what that means. It's some event or something. Yeah, Beyond I don't know. I, other, yeah. I like I, I kind of dug the first couple of issues of Amazing. I haven't read it in a really long time. That stuff comes out three times a month. I think I need to catch up and either should or get off the pot because <laughs> – I'm I'm spending four bucks like every week on this Spider-Man business, and I have I'm not reading it. I don't know what's going on. Um, and then they're throwing these Bay issues at me. Like you're you're starting to scare me off there, Marvel. Uh, Captain Marvel number thirty six. Do we think that's actually going to come out? Uh, it comes out the sixteenth. It's been moved, oh well, as far as I know. Then there you go. Uh, Devil's Brain number four, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Radio Apocalypse number two. However, money. However, many months later, uh, out from number one. But uh, that's that Rom V uh, post-apocalypse book that was very cool. Uh, and then Seven Secrets, Monkey Meat, and Faithless for me. Um, February. Not being too harsh on the wallet yet. All right. Uh, like I said, there are new episodes of Thirsty on Tune. Look for their Ghost Lights episode, as well as part one of their best of sleeping, uh, sleeping, wow. sleepover, slumber party. That's the word. <laughs> it's basically a recommendation show uh, in the form of a rambunctious night with the ladies and wine. So go and check that out. Other than that, we have reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. You can send us your comments or questions through our email, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. That's where Christoph sent his. That's where you can send yours. We love questions. We love stories. Never fear on the emails being too long. We do read them. Uh, we are also on Twitter at Talking Comics. And we will let you know when talkingcomicbooks.com uh, possibly even under a different URL, is up and running. Uh, and when that is up and running, we will be launching our Patreon plans. Uh, but we need a site in order to do that. So uh, coming soon, folks, coming soon. Bob, where can our listeners find you? Still the old-fashioned email. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. Joey. Joey at TalkingComicBooks.com. <laughs> that's not that's not the email that you usually give that's my that's my talking comic books email oh my god i'm so confused aaron <laughs> where am i what's happening <laughs> i still don't like bagels anyway um at aaron j amos sacrilege uh john is at john p burkle i am at dead underscore anchorus on twitter and instagram so for bob well happy valentine's day or happy galentine's day to those people who celebrate it that way Ooh, and happy birthday to my mom on valentine's happy day birthday, mom yeah uh say goodbye joey bye aaron <gasps> wow wow <laughs> thank you all so much for listening <laughs> Be excellent to each other. Bagels forever. And uh, until next time on the Talking Comics Podcast. To be continued. <laughs> <laughs>